tip today in association with Slattery's of Pecan, your main Peugeot dealer for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Good morning and welcome to Friday's Tip Today. Alison here with you until 12 today. Coming up on this morning's show, Johnny Luby's Weekly Ramblings will be joining us in the next few minutes. Also, a listener calls for action on parking in Cashel. The government is considering making HRT free. People gather for a solidarity rally in Thurlis over the escalating situation in Gaza. Less than one in four say they believe marriage is forever. How Ireland has changed in the last 50 years. Are electric vehicles a potential fire risk? And our Friday panel will be live in studio just after 11 this morning to unpack the hot topics of the week. This week we'll be talking about gas, of course, also assisted dying. And if mobile phones should be banned from concerts and events, that's following the news that comedian Tommy Tiernan is to ban all mobile phones from his upcoming gigs. You'll have to put them in kind of a sealed bag as you're going in. So it won't be able to interfere. You won't get a signal on it. You won't get any messages. And if you're caught using your phone, you'll be kicked out. So let us know what you think of that. You can text or WhatsApp. The phone lines are open too. Emma standing by on 1800 Or you can text 83 But of course, it's Friday. So who do we talk to on Friday? Only Johnny Luby. Hiya, Johnny. Alison, good morning. Good to talk to you. How are, How's the week been treating you? Oh, Christ, not too bad at all at all. Tell Every way it was a great week and a rough week, uh, and that on Friday night last we went to the split the bucket or inside Noel Ryan's pub in Tipperary Town. We left there early because the weekend was going to be uh, a huge weekend. On Saturday morning, after doing a few jobs, we headed for uh, Kilcommon, that wonderful place up there in the hills of Tipperary. Lovely, uh, a beautiful place, and of course the County Junior A final was on between Clonorty Rossmore and uh, Ballin and Ballin Hinch. A couple of years ago, of course, the County Junior A final was played in Golden between Skeena Rinky and uh, I think it was Holy Cross. Yeah. And uh, a wonderful day, and of course, uh, Skeena Rinky went all the way that year to uh, the Munster Junior A finals where they were beaten by their neighbours, I think it was Billy Giblin. Yeah, we, we don't like to talk about that, John. Oh, well, I, <laughs> we have to talk <laughs> about history at times. But... Uh, Look, uh, parking was at a premium above in uh, above in Kilcommon, and they had to peel the mackles, and everybody was stewards all over the place. But I suppose it was hard enough to get parking, and I was parked maybe a half. We were parked a half mile above uh, McCormick's pub, and coming down, then it dawned on me that. Uh, we had a call of nature, so we called oh. into McCormick's about 10 minutes before the match. The pitch in Kilcommon is only right across the road from McCormick's anyway. That's handy for and you. Oh, it was absolutely brilliant because when we went in, lo and behold, the match that we were going to was actually on television inside in McCormick's with this clubber, clubber or clubber or whatever. Yeah. It is, it is a fantastic uh, thing that they have because people can watch matches all over the world. I mean, I watched uh, Golden Kilfeekel against Kilsheel and Below and Bench. I watched that from Portugal. It was a, a tremendous commentary in that you can get it uh, for the make inquiries to the county board of how you can join it and that for it. I think it's a tenor. It is a fantastic uh, facility mm-hmm. that they have. And uh, Clonality Rossmore uh, emerged victorious with a good, strong team. Uh, they they go up intermediate now, but it was uh, the 
Balnage are back again in the intermediate hurling uh, final. But I suppose whilst in McCormack's there, they served us up a bit of grub and that, and then I went out the back, of course, the usual for a smoke, and I see the drinker's prayer. It said, may winds blow and barely grow, may Guinness flow in rivers, may we drink our fill from that and still, but not destroy our livers. Slaunch oh, Because it was a lovely poem. <laughs> then Canalty Rossmore lads came in along with a few of the Bell and Hinch lads and my car was parked up the road, so I got a lift, or we got a lift uh, uh, then, but the chap that was driving us was... Uh, a Bell and the Hinch guy called uh, Liam Minahan, and uh, he drove us on to a place called the Congo, the Congo Bear. We were kind of on a bit of a, 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 tour, a tour at this yeah. stage, and there I met uh, a couple of wonderful people: Jimmy Ryan from Killascully, but of course Rocky McGrath. He's the county ah, council. Yeah. Yeah, top-class guy. And I met his wife. I said to her, you should have been in the Rosa Trelli. She's a bloody stunner. Oh. But uh, I never knew that they were the dad and mum of Shane McGrath. It's amazing what you find out. That wonderful Tipperary Huller. I didn't know and, that uh, either. Yeah, well, <laughs> things will help them as we go along. And I did say, of course, I had to be serious about it. I said, is it true in North Tipperary that if your son uh, goes on to play All-Ireland for Tipperary that you do get double the children's allowance? <laughs> they all look stunned. But anyway, when time was up, we had to get a lift back into the car again and then we ended up in Sir Orleans to watch that wonderful rugby World Cup uh, quarter-final between Ireland and the All Blacks. Would you call it wonderful, Johnny? Well, uh, Look, it was a, 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 a great game of rugby, you know. Uh, our own lads, Ireland, in my book, whilst I followed the game, all the sports as best I can. When your line-out isn't really functioning, yeah. you are in trouble, you know. Well, and Wayne Barnes should have been calling on those line-outs because they were encroaching. The All Blacks encroached all the time on those line-outs. Yeah, but you see, look, hey, it's all down to the referee's uh, interpretation of the rules and that Porter was penalised a couple of times in the front row and I was listening to guys talking that uh, that he shouldn't have been penalised and no. that but look on the day uh, the All Blacks had two players yellow carded so for 20 minutes uh, they were they were down to 13 players or 14 players and I genuinely thought that we should have been able to uh, put them away but then again you're you're talking about the All Blacks, you know, they're, they're a fine team and look, congratulations to them. We have to go back to the drawing board. We're going to miss huge players, please God, uh, in four years' yeah. time if we're still alive, the likes of Sexton and Pete Romani, a, a war horse, uh, and that Conor Murray, like, uh, that they're all going to be four years, they're going to retire on that seat mm. uh, and to try and fill their boots. Now, the grading system, look, I don't know how it ends up because uh, Ireland and France are gone and they were ranked one and two, yeah. you know, and uh, then you had the other side, the kind England play uh, South Africa, I think it is tonight, or is it the All Blacks, but uh, then you have uh, Argentina as well. Like yeah, Ireland it's Argentina, would the All Blacks tonight, and then... Yeah, well, Ireland would fancy their chances again, certainly big time again, no disrespect to Argentina, and they would certainly fancy their chances against England. And... You know, it looks as if it's going to be an All Blacks, maybe South Africa final. Yeah. On Sunday morning, then we went to the uh, 
the Hull matches in Tullus. You know, County Final Day to me is a wonderful occasion yeah. for the people of Tipperary. And there was a fine crowd there ourselves in Golden Kilfeekle six weeks ago. I suppose we were in a relegation battle. We beat Ballangarry, maybe lucky enough. Uh, and that we took whatever came our way and then won a quarter final and a semi final against Kilsheelan. And, and now, lo and behold, we're in a county final against neighbours, Borla and Duella, who are on the day celebrating their 25th uh, or 26th uh, anniversary of winning the county senior hurling final. And uh, that they had a wonderful day uh, in their celebrations and they adjourned to Deanna afterwards, both teams. To, Borlehan Intermediate County Final winners and of course uh, the Borlehan uh, team of 25 years ago uh, and that on the day Borlehan uh, Duella was certainly the, the better team uh, I suppose we were down maybe to 13 players in the, during the second half and uh, looks I suppose referees call it as they see it or linesmen call it as they see it I thought that genuinely uh, decisions were harsh but what can you do about it they and that but for us it's very diplomatic of you Johnny it's not like you well you know but look uh, I, I looked it's all down to decisions uh, Dale and that we'll say with the, with the officials look and they have a job to do and they call it as they see it and look we thought it was harsh but Look, they called it in that seat. But heartiest congratulations to Borla and Duella. They had uh, scored some fine scores. We were, I suppose, in the forwards, depending on uh, uh, young Jack Leamy, who had a wonderful game. They maybe scoring 12 or 13 points out of the 15. And at the end of the day, uh, you need uh, uh, your forwards uh, firing on all cylinders. But the Borla and uh, Duella uh, backs were good on the day. Young Lacey was good in goal. But he didn't get an awful lot to say from our forwards. Uh, and that and the forwards above at the other end were quite good. But look, we, when we look at it in the cold light of day, we have to be happy uh, coming from relegation to a county final. Mm. Of course, then we uh, we got the big one as well with uh, Tull Southies and uh, Kildang and yeah. both teams would say that they should have won it, but now they come back in a, in a week or two time to uh, sort out who would be the winners and who would be the runners-up. That point uh, at the end, Johnny, was just sensational, wasn't it? Oh, sensational, right. But you see, that we needed in Tipperary players to stand up and show their talents and that, and both sides certainly have the players to score. And that I think myself, I'll stick with the Southies uh, to uh, win the replay. But look, the Kildangan will certainly do their utmost not alone to prove me wrong but to prove that they should be county champions and the best of luck to both teams Laura Dora performed brilliantly against the Southfield second team on the Saturday Laura Dora will say that they should have won that replay is on tomorrow so the best of luck to both teams as well and uh, of course we adjourned to uh, Noel Rhines and from there then into Pat Fox's that great watering hole in Cashel and from there then to the Bridge House where we sympathise with our players on the losing of a county final it's it's not easy for them, but look, they're, on, they're young. Most of them are in their 18 and 19. Yeah. So, uh, look, hopefully they'll come again. And uh, that. Uh, then on uh, yesterday, then we went to the races in Tullus, where we had a fine day there, a great crack. And I love Tullus race course. The facilities, as I often see, are top class. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that I met Pat Jimmy O'Donnell there, the priest from around my glass area, and he said, you should have your own TV program. I said to him, <laughs> our uh, Red Tip FM program, I said, Jim, Jimmy, Father Jimmy, I said, will you go away and have a word with the bishop and don't mind my TV, my uh, uh, Tip FM program? I said, see, could I get a bloody parish? <laughs> That's what I need. I said, you don't want the program, you want a parish. Oh, I'd love to have a parish, you know. <laughs> but you I met Tommy. 
Tommy O'Brien, he was the principal there in Clonault. He retired and certainly missed it, I suppose, there for 40 years. And we came back then by uh, Glasheens and Holy Cross where we had uh, tea and sandwiches and a bit of crack there as well with the lads uh, and then it was a case of getting home but uh, I suppose overall uh, the the big match last weekend in my book was uh, in the, all the sports was probably South Africa against France on Sunday evening. Yeah, it was a mouth-watering clash yeah. and look you could watch it forever and ever you know I saw the, the Ireland uh, the Ireland and the All Blacks game after Kilcommon episode uh, we, we saw that in uh, Sir Owens in Thomastown and uh, a wonderful place to watch matches as indeed all the pubs did well uh, out of the uh, World Cup matches you yeah. know they all got a good old twist and that's what it's all about they were closed down for uh, a couple of years during lockdown uh, and that so uh, they were entitled you know to have some old bit of a run at it they'll miss Ireland being out but look so be it uh, they're gone and that's it I suppose this weekend Alison you have the county senior football final the intermediate was supposed to be on in Tullis but yeah. that has been changed I think to Alpfinnen uh, Ahalo play uh, Grange Moakler that is certainly a 50-50 contest uh, Ahalo were a senior club for a long number of years and provided great players and I've no doubt it could be a, a, a great final if I was to pick maybe uh, one against the other I'd say maybe Grange Moakler I haven't seen them for a while but they look to be a club that's coming through uh, uh, fairly quickly and look the best and look to both teams uh, there in the county intermediate final ourselves Gordon Kilpeakle were in a bloody relegation battle again in the intermediate we fighting for our lives oh. in hurling and football we play Clan Mello I don't know where that match is yet but I presume if you get into the tip or the tip uh, the Prairie GA website you'll see where all the matches are because with the amount of rain that's falling at the moment a lot of pitches are not uh, able to take this and uh, that so that's why there's only one match in Semple Stadium on Sunday I suppose yeah. to have the eye on the following Sunday then with the county uh, senior holding finals so yeah, that game it's is not easy feathered, Johnny yeah, well, Federal, of course, is the all-weather, and it look yeah. it can it can take. I've seen uh, uh, matches out there, and to be followed at four o'clock by a rugby match with uh, Federal playing. So that all-weather pitch is certainly standing the test oh, of time. Oh, it's a great facility. Oh, hey, uh, uh, Alison, top class Amazing. they have there, yeah. and, uh, uh, and fair play to them, you know. Uh, but I suppose, Alison, there's a huge game this weekend as well. It's above in the rag. Uh, where Drummond Inch take on Canalty Rossmore again in what should be a mouth-watering Camogie County Senior Ladies Final. Yeah. Uh, it's a Last year it was a game for the ages. Drummond Inch would be the favourites uh, going in. Canalty Rossmore uh, will certainly give their all, but I suppose it's going to be very hard to beat Drummond Inch. You know, they have uh, four or five girls there from uh, Lockmore, Castellania, top class uh, ladies as well, and uh, they're going to be hard to beat, but I've no doubt uh, that Cart Devane and Horring Touradge, Cora Hennessy, and many, many more, uh, the Rhines and all of those, will certainly turn up and give their all. That county final, I think, is on around three o'clock in the right so the best of luck uh, to both teams if I was to side maybe with my heart I'd say uh, our own team from West Tipperary Clonality Ross Moore might just uh, uh, do it please God on the day uh, in Tullis just I met a guy called Reds or O'Grady oh sure we know Reds sir the Reds are one of the all time greats now Absolutely. I didn't know that the bloody devil had said uh, to him no do down your way you know he said you are far better he says than that other clown from quarter he says Johnny Luby <laughs> so <laughs> Reds I couldn't say anything. I love you both. I couldn't say anything. <laughs> 
Rebs, and I apologise when he saw me coming over to him yesterday. I didn't know he had said it, but here he said, I'm sorry. He said I was only having the crack one, but I said, you're blinded by those. No fear at all, at all. Uh, and that, uh, of course, the Tip FM Awards are on on Tuesday That's night. Right, I certainly Tuesday. look forward to that in Vienna. Uh, we had a great night there last year. And to see the, uh, when it is down to the last two or three in each category, to see the way that they've been on their staff and they enjoy the night and the crack and everything else. And you get a chance to meet them all, you know. Mm. But uh, that uh, Rockwell Rovers beyond the new inn, Fran Curry bought a ticket there for their big draw. Uh, it's on in a couple of weeks' time. It's winner Volkswagen ID4. Uh, GA Club in Tipperary Rockwell Rovers is giving you the chance to win a brand new all-electric Volkswagen ID4. It's worth over fifty-five thousand. Wow. You can buy the ticket at win uh, win uh, I presume if you click into the Rockwell Rovers GA website, uh, you'll certainly there for €25, Euro, a great chance of winning. It's on in a couple of weeks' time. And as I said, Frank Curry bought one uh, off of Bosco Maloney down in Kale. So if, you, if it was good enough for Frank that? Curry, well, it's him? good enough for Frank Curry. It is good enough for us all. Huh? What do you but, make of the uh, whole electric vehicles? I know we're going to be talking about them later, but there's one caller who's going to come on to talk to us and say that he feels they're a serious risk in terms of fire. That there's more of a risk for electric vehicles to fire than there is for the diesel. Yeah, I suppose. Look, listen, there's definitely foreign against them. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I find that the big drawback is elderly people like myself, uh, where it is a kind of a silent thing uh, coming yeah. up across the streets and that you don't hear it, you know, or, or is reversing out. Uh, and that is, that, that's what I find. You know, and they say that the. the uh, batteries uh, are a, a, a huge drawback after mm. uh, a couple of years. Now, I don't know how many what ordinary Joe Soaps like myself uh, uh, are saying. You know, at the moment, uh, I'm on the, the petrol of stroke diesel uh, and that. But, uh, yeah, look, uh, Alison, uh, the, the weather has been desperate there awesome. for the last two or three days. Now, our hats go down, go out to the lads and lassies down in Middleton in County Cork, yeah. you know. They're saying that it should have been, I think I heard someplace that maybe the weather forecasters uh, should have said uh, a red alert. Yeah. You know, now, what that would do, I don't know, because... I know, but uh, I, the fact that Matt Aaron came out yesterday and said, yeah, we need to do better, that's very strange for them to say. Yeah, uh, it is, you know, but uh, when you're dealing with water, dearie, uh, uh, it's a different bargain. You know, I mean, like, would they want to have had a week's notice to get all the barriers up and uh, all of that? You know, it, it, it's not easy, uh, uh, and that with a day's notice or even with hours' notice to try and sort this out. You know, I mean, like, something like this hadn't happened down there for well over 100 years. Yeah. So uh, it, it's going to be hard for county councils and that to try and get it uh, somewhere right. Maybe it is in the summertime that, uh, I don't know, should they dredge the rivers, your people for and against the, the, the bottom of the rivers and go deeper and get the water uh, way out to sea. I haven't a bloody clue. But, yeah. And then uh, you wonder if all the flood relief work that they're doing to help alleviate problems in certain areas are just pushing the problem further down the river to other areas that wouldn't have Yeah, that's, that's another way of looking at it. You know, 
ourselves uh, here in Golden. We have the river Shore uh, flowing through it. And just at the bank there across from the bridge house, uh, I see it is inclined to look out at us at the moment. Yeah. And uh, that before it crosses the road and goes down the Abbey Road. So we just have to be careful. And even coming down Kilfecal Hill there uh, from uh, the Tipperary town side, there's always a, a water problem there at the bottom of the hill on the Golden side of Kilfecal. Uh, and that, that uh, just be careful there because uh, to me, like it, it's definitely uh, you come in, you come down the hill there even at forty mile an hour, and lo and behold, you see the uh, the build up of water on the side of the road, you know. And mm-hmm. like whilst they were at it, then they certainly have made improvements. We're getting so much water now that it is unbelievable, you know. And mm-hmm. uh, I suppose, Alison, at the other side, the kind look, everybody is affected, but is there anything more affected really than the farmers? You know, they have to put in cows early there in the first week in October and that, and then they have to have the feed for them uh, and that for uh, nearly six months, October, November, December, January, February, March. And it's not easy as well to try and get them in out of the fields uh, and that and uh, house them then for the winter time. Everybody is certainly affected with it, you know, but mm. I suppose it's, whether it's climate change or whatever the hell it is, I don't know, but... That's anyway, the thing. Johnny, hang on, listeners are giving out to you. You neglected to mention a few games. They're saying, what about Moneygall and Shannon Rovers in the Intermediate Camogie final? That's also happening. What about Brackens and Upper Church in the county final? That's also happening this weekend. And Johnny, will you wish Gurt and Langool under 15s the best of luck on Sunday? Oh, thank God, I the best of luck to them all. And of course, listen, heartiest congratulations to Brackens uh, uh, on winning their uh, titanic struggle with Upper Church, Dumbay, and commiserations to Upper Church during they go down to Premier Intermediate, the Brackens uh, uh, stay up. And of course, the Brackens play the commercials on Sunday. Uh, look, it looks as if his commercials, they're uh, a top class outfit there for the last number of years. Yeah. Whilst my Rovers give them talks of it in the county semi final, the JK Brackens will certainly take huge heart from that. You know, they were fencing themselves uh, this year from a long way out to, uh, to advance to a long way in the football and now they're in the county final. It's wonderful for them uh, on, sun, uh, on Sunday in Tullus and the very best of luck uh, to the Brackens uh, there when they're in the county final. And of course the money goal intermediates and that. I, I suppose, Alison, there's so many sports this on, you know. Thing. Yeah. Uh, we and can't that, get to uh, them all. We, no, and, and I would certainly... Uh, Love to get to him, but I was absolutely delighted uh, in, in Kilcommon uh, and that these far out places uh, up the hills, you really enjoyed uh, the crack and that lads that we didn't meet for a good few years or else met them at funerals and things like that. So it's grand to be able to meet them uh, on, on count. As I said, Alison, to me, county final day, if I'm around at all at all, any Sunday, and if there is county finals on, I don't matter at them whether it is junior B or whatever the case may be. Of course, Nakavella Kickens, I think, are in a, a county on the 19B football. I suppose, Alison, uh, the one thing is, is that whilst we have county on the 17s and county on the 19s, and they are, I will say, uh, now we have a county on the 21, which at this time of the year, in my book, for what it is worth, with young fellas playing hearty cup games and Munster Colleges be hurling and that, and many of them playing uh, for the club in intermediate hurling, they have to turn around now and yeah. whilst they have three or four games uh, in the next month or two in the under 19s, uh, uh, in the Cup, they now have to turn around and play uh, uh, on the 21. You know, and that's all starting up now. And lo and behold, they'll probably, and you see with pitches and everything else being, uh, you know, that kind of way. Oh, stop the lights dead. Anyway. uh, Hang on, I have a joke for you before you go. 
Yeah. A listener, and I, I, I suspect an English person sent in this joke for you, Johnny, says, Irishman, Scotsman and a Welshman walk into a bar. Normally there's an Englishman as well, but he's still at the World Cup. <laughs> yeah. I, I listen. Yeah, how, how is it English? Uh, yeah, it was an Englishman sent in that. You can have no bloody... Oh, you can be sure. Uh, about it. But I suppose it's like it will probably grieve us uh, in one way if, if uh, England uh, uh, go to a World Cup final. It won't happen, Johnny. It won't happen. Oh, hey, hey, Alison, it can happen. Anything can happen in sport. Oh, my uh, God. And that. But, uh, yeah, it is... Uh, will you be shouting English. for him, Johnny? Uh I don't mind. It doesn't make any difference to me, I suppose, when silent or out. But, you know, if England go on, it'll just Which go to show you the, the look of the draw. Yeah, that's uh, it. And that's it. I want to heartily congratulate Fairy Cormac and Christy Ryan there in uh, Rose Green. They won a big cup there at the Casual Greyhound meeting on uh, last weekend. And I've no doubt that Fairy being Fairy, that was celebrated in style. Uh, I am on record as saying, Alison, at times uh, that it's hard to win a bloody argument. Uh, and here we are trying to go out and win matches and things like that. It ain't easy. Yeah. But, uh, Alison, confidentially, where is the other fellow gone on holidays? Or did he bring any swimming dogs with him? Oh, Mr. I Curry? couldn't be saying that. No, I couldn't be saying. He wasn't telling me. I don't know which one of his villas he went to this week, but he was going to <laughs> one of them anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and, he and, I, and he can't lose out by bringing the swimming dogs no matter where he is because so he has well, them anyway all the time he, he has them all the time Alison listen so we'll be in touch please God we'll try and get him or just to finish up Alison, yeah. I just see the, a big heading on the paper there's no guarantee the children's hospital will be open as planned in summer 2025 yeah incredible isn't it and they're now it's unbelievable it's over to think that we had all the experts doing it and that's going on for, yes, it's going on for, and now there's yeah. a heap of uh, claims in against it and the whole lot. I honestly don't know what all the experts, why that wasn't able to be polished up. And then I, I just read in the papers, we're certainly going to have huge trouble now to trying to get access to the children's hospital because they have to build by roads and uh, swing offs and roundabouts and everything else to try and get the children's hospital to meet. And that was no surprise. I mean, people were warning about that. That's why there were calls for a greenfield site in the initial stages of it. It would have alleviated Uh, everything. That would have been up and ready and would have been in there. Oh, Jesus, Alison, I don't know myself. Look, I don't know. And then, of course, you have the the turmoil outside in in the Middle East. And, of course, now that has taken over, we don't even know uh, that the war in the Ukraine is still going on yeah. because it is only in second place now. And then I see they have uh, 700 uh, some kind of houses going up in that uh, site in, in uh, Leash and they have another 400 beds going to uh, Punchestown Racecourse, the big marquee there yeah. so for all the, uh, the refugees. And again, I'll... It's like everything else. Look, I know they're all war-torn and, and everything else, but we certainly, Alison, uh, uh, will have to take a serious look. I mean, there's no point in bringing the refugees in here and putting the misfortunes into tents in this day in and winter. age, you know. Yeah, yeah somebody winter. should say, look, lads, we have to... We have to. Matthew McGrath did say when it was... 25 or 30,000, he said, lads, we should take a serious look and see how we the facilities. Because I see there's a village only uh, maybe a mile away from where the tented villages are going up, and uh, that, and they have hardly no facilities, only one shop. Yeah. And then you know, when and you put in GP services and everything on top of that, then I mean, small oh, communities. I don't know myself. Hey, thanks be to God, I'm not a government, I'm not a TD at the moment because it uh, looks. They, maybe that's the problem, Johnny. Maybe you should be. Oh, Jesus, Alison, I don't know. Hey, listen, I better keep going because my missus... And, and I, I see where one and four said married spot. 
That's right. Just Hang on. Marriage is one in four people say that they they don't believe that marriage lasts forever. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah. So the young people don't believe in marriage anymore by the looks of it, Johnny. Yeah, I've been noticed up in my door. Marriage is tough. Just hang in there. <laughs> <laughs> and walk away when the problems just don't even answer because you'll always come out second best. That's what I find. Pick your battles, Jerry. Pick your battles. <laughs> Pick your battles is right. Jerry, have hey, a great listen. weekend. Thanks very much. All the best. Have a good one. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. Johnny Luby was talking about the Children's Hospital when we were speaking to him just after nine. A listener says, tell Johnny not to worry. The Children's Hospital will be open in 2025, Sharon the general elections on at that time. Another listener says, and the children's hospital will be too small by the time it does open. Another listener says, ask Johnny, does he know what an expert is? The answer is a fool who thinks he knows everything. Uh, also, we were speaking, we'll be discussing it during our panel discussion later on this morning about this um, call to have mobile phones banned from concerts and events. Uh, this is after Tommy Tiernan announced that he will be banning mobile phones. And Jamie was in touch with us to say, yes, mobile phones should be banned at concerts or events. Uh, was at a concert last week and one six months ago. Um, one was in Nina. It was ruined by mobile phones. It was a pure disgrace. And the same thing happened at a concert in in Thurless. That's from Jamie. Keep those texts coming into us 083 311 or 1800 A listener was in contact with us yesterday to express their frustration with parking in a particular area of Cashel. John joins me on the line. Hiya, John. Hello, uh, Alison. How are you? I'm great, John. Good to talk to you this morning. Tell me about the issues that, are, well, the ones that you see anyway in Cashel when it comes to parking. Well, the reason that I, I phoned you was when I heard of somebody speaking to you about the parking of uh, cars uh, in Lower Gate there as you go onto the Gordon Road. And That's how, right, how, yeah. dangerous, how dangerous that it was. Mm. Then I, I said to myself, well, that being the case, then there were a more important issue to be discussed. And that was what occurred on Friar Street on Monday and Tuesday, which people feared for their own safety. And I give you an idea of what that was about. Yeah, what happened? I will tell you now. I'll just give you a brief insight into what I'm talking about. Okay. Uh, parking on yeah, um, uh, on Monday and Tuesday of this week on Fire Street, all traffic was brought to a halt as a result of people parking wherever they liked, all attending a funeral in the church. Business in the town uh, had to close out of fear. Do people find this acceptable, right? Mm. Now, yeah, years or, um, years ago, businesses closed their premises in respect to the deceased, but now they closed their premises because of fear. This cannot be allowed to go on. And at that funeral on that evening, on Monday evening, the guards had to be brought in and ambulance was brought in because of the behaviour of these people. I think Cashel has suffered enough with these people coming from other counties to our cemetery. The some law has to be brought in. This cannot be allowed to go on. These people are competing with one another. If you went into the churchyard 
last Monday or Tuesday, and you saw the paraphernalia that was in there. It was like a fashion show. And some of the stuff that was on show, I thought it was disgraceful that the church even allowed it to, to, to be put in there. And then go from there to the cemetery and see what was going on. It is sad to say that in, with these funerals, people can read between the lines themselves why the girls have to be available. Gather cows, paddy wagons. I've seen from time to time in Cashel where the, the, um, the gather uh, or um, the unit, special unit comes in and they carry guns. Now, that doesn't look great when we have a town that is dependent on tourism. Why should businesses suffer because of this? And what I'd also like to say, our town should not be held to ransom. And the powers that be who have been silent for so long should now take action. I mean, hopefully we can get a response from those in authority and end this, end this behaviour once and for all. That's exactly where I'm coming from. Okay, John. But in terms of, of parking, what was so dangerous about the parking you felt during the last couple of days, or, or Monday and Tuesday? Uh, the parking, if you could call the parking, they had cars thrown in the centre of the road. People couldn't get up and down. Traffic couldn't get through. I see guards under pressure to bring their wagons through it, and nobody was held responsible for it. Right. Out of dread, I'd say. That's unfortunate to hear. Was that, I mean, is that a regular occurrence? When these funerals from out of town come, then all this comes back into play again. Right. I'm saying, and I've said it before, the graveyard in Cashin and the last town council that we had, they must bear a lot of responsibility. So I'm now, for, because they allowed this to happen, and you'd have to be fool not to see that in the long term, it's only going to get worse. And none of those people ever said anything to, 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 to help the situation or do anything about it. I have dealt myself with certain councillors, and all they wanted was headlines, and nothing was ever done. And we're not going to mention names that would be wrong. Yeah. But I think that the councillors now with that a municipal body should be taken to task on this. Because remember, they will be coming to everybody's door in the next few months looking for votes again and telling us that they're working on our behalf. They're not working on our behalf. And they should be judged on what's going on at present because they're doing nothing. Okay. Johnny, I'll have to leave it there for this morning. I have the next call already, but we're going to check that out with the guards and see exactly what happened on Monday. Okay. uh, Yes, but before before you go, I I, I would like to to get some response from the public in Cashel and and not have them afraid to speak their values. Okay. And I thank you for giving me the opportunity for expressing myself to you. No problem, John. It was lovely to talk to you this morning. Thanks okay. for calling in to us. All the best, John. Uh, that's John there speaking about what he deems as, as dangerous parking and antisocial behaviour in Cashel. If you have a response to that, 83 311 or 1800-938-007. Now, staying on the issue of vehicles and road safety, as more electric cars take to our roads, attention is now turning to their safety, in particular the potential of electric car fires. One of our listeners, Richie, was in touch with the programme to share his concerns. He joins me now. Hiya, Richie. Good morning, how are you? I'm good, Richie. Good to talk to you this morning. Tell me what your concerns are. Like you said, all there and one, like uh, the, the safety concerns with our battery stroke hybrid vehicles, you know. Um, they, they have gotten quite dangerous since the introduction of these type of vehicles, you know, a lot more. 
fires and a lot of serious fires, you know. But can you attribute that to electric vehicles, though? Oh, oh yeah, without a doubt, yeah, without a doubt. The the, the fire velocities are, are only huge. Yeah. They're, I don't think our fire brigade systems here are well-equipped yet. I think they need more training and how to extinguish these fires because they're different to an internal combustion engine fire that a normal car can be extinguished very easily by our fire crews, but not so easy when it comes to a battery car. Um, now, to be fair, though, Richie, I think a lot of car fires that we've heard of lately, and the one that springs to mind for me is the one that was up in McDonald's, up in Kildare, and people were very quick to say that that was an electric car fire. It later transpired it yeah. wasn't. It was a diesel car. Yeah. So are we maybe yes. at fault a little bit for assuming that any car fire is an electric car? Not not really, no. No, there's... At the moment, since the introduction of the electric cars, there's been an awful lot more fires. What I'm trying to say to you here is that people who are driving these electric vehicles need to get their safety um, in check themselves. Like one time, a lot of cars came with headrests that were removable with two spikes, and you could use these two spikes to break glass to escape a fire. Yeah. But these new battery cars are not. Not all of them are coming with a mold. They're coming with a molded. Um, headrest that's not removable and there's no way of escaping the vehicle once it takes up my point being yeah, right. a lot of these yeah. cars go into deadlock to go into deadlock you cannot get out of this vehicle if you go on fire you can't escape you can't break the glass with your bare hands so i'd be saying to anyone listen this morning go and buy a glass hammer and keep it in your glove box let your passengers know who are most frequent in your car let them always stare just in case the car does go into flames you can escape it, you know. Mm. Um, that probably would go across the board for all cars, but especially for EVs that go into straight lockdown. You can't escape these fires, you know. They're deadly dangerous, you know. And the toxins from them, you know, the, once they take hold, I would say to people, don't even go near them with a fire extinguisher. Just let them burn and just wait for fire brigade to deal with it because they're they're not like a normal car where the fuel will just burn out. that will be petrol or diesel that'll burn out after a few minutes. But these battery fires, once they take hold, they can burn for up to 24 hours. You know, they're, mm. they're a serious fire. And even the London fire chief has come out to say that lithium batteries are probably the most aggressive fire that they are going to see. Between little like, people have them in their flats for scooters or whatever, and a lot of these batteries are going up, like, you know. Yeah, but I mean, that's not to say that a, a, a fire from a diesel or petrol car is going to be, I, I don't know, can you say it's any less dangerous? I mean, a car fire has... It would be, it, it, it would be less dangerous because the fire can be extinguished probably a lot quicker with a lot less water compared to the fire brigades. The, what the fire brigades can carry, the, what the appliance can carry, is not enough water to put out an EV fire. It's not enough. But then you look at what um, happened to Douglas. I mean, a car fire it can be potentially very, very devastating, regardless of, of whether it's an electric car or a fuel car. I mean, Douglas was shut down for over a year because of a car fire in a car park. That's right. It was a car that was supposed to go yeah. back for a recall, I believe, that didn't make it back to a recall. Yeah, but these cars, uh, these EVs are actually on fire long before they even make it to... Um, a showroom. Mm. We have a ferry that was burnt, and I, I don't know if it sank or not, but I know if it was badly damaged. It was carrying something like 40 EVs. I know the ferry is no longer seaworthy. It's gone. Um, there's transporters 
that are transporting these vehicles, they're going on fire. There's a lot of them going back to dealerships with software issues with only a couple of hundred kilometres on them. We had an MG not too long ago where the police in the UK had to push it off the road because the brakes would not activate, the car would not turn off, the car was stuck at a speed of 30 miles per hour. The poor driver was gutted inside and he, he didn't know what to do with him, so he'd call the police. The police had to ram this vehicle off the road. They're too dangerous, in my opinion, you know? They're just too dangerous. Do you think they were I think just brought onto the market too quickly? I think they've been brought to the market far too quick. I think so. Um, even when I'm talking to dealerships who are carrying stock, can't really sell too many of them. They've been good to their customers by taking them back in as trade-ins. And as a trade-in go, a lot of people have made a return to petrol or diesel. Really? Very few have made a return back to a true EV. And they're losing their shirt as a resale value will go as well. I've seen some dealerships now that have, have 10, 12 second-hand vehicles that are electric and they can't shift them. And as stock, that stock is money stock, they can't shift them. Even the factories that are producing them are overproduced at the moment. They can't shift them. There, There is no real market for them and the batteries do degenerate over time. You mean, to make these cars even carbon neutral... A lot of them will have to be driven for 14 or 15 years. Most true electric vehicles won't last that long. You'll be lucky to get eight, nine years out of them. Some now that are very expensive, gone into the 100,000 bracket, might go a little bit longer. But they're too expensive. They're not reliable vehicles. I certainly just don't like them. I had one here on loan for two weeks, and over the two weeks, I put about five to six miles on it. I wouldn't even use it. I just left it there. Yeah, yeah, and it was a nice car, actually. It was a car that would have about 80,000 plus. What didn't you like? The fear factor of could it go into flames? I wouldn't even park it at my house. I actually parked it across the road. I kept it 50, 60 feet away from the house because you couldn't depend on it. You know what I mean? There's no dependence on it. They're not even good enough for a second car. You want to do a journey in them, you're charged them two or three hours. You're having to pull into some place, you're buying your tea, your coffee, you're spending more money, you're losing time. If you stuck to your petrol or diesel car, you're fueling up and you're good, you're gone. And you, you know, know, you know what you have. You, you know what you're doing, but you mean, there's been so many fires. You mean, you've London buses there that have switched over to electric. A lot of them have gone on fire. There are some of them in Spain that have been taken completely off the fleet. A lot of it is a scam that have been recharged by diesel generators where the diesel generator itself is not exactly compliant, you know, where you could get more modern diesel engines that are fairly good now on emissions, like, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of these vehicles, while they're going on fire, especially across the UK, insurance companies have now brought up their insurance costs in the UK for the sheer volume of vehicles going up. Um, just last week, 1,200 vehicles were lost at the Luton airport caused by a hybrid car. You know, like I said, they're not green, you know. Yeah, but to be fair, though, parks, in relation to the Luton airport, that wasn't an electric car. It actually it was, but the media had to put it out that it was a diesel. Ah, uh, no. When it wasn't, you uh, know. No, no Look, it definitely it, was um, an EV. It was um, a hybrid um, Land Rover. Yeah, but a hybrid off, isn't is an electric vehicle. 
but a hybrid is it has, still has a lithium iron battery. It's still the battery that, that kicks off is not the diesel element, it's, it's the battery that kicks off. I mean, I, I've seen all the stuff there online, I've followed it. I mean, I, I have a huge interest in in vehicles, you know, a huge interest in vehicles, I know, you know. But you can blame an electric car for the Luton Airport incident because it mm. wasn't an electric car, it was a hybrid car. Well, yeah, that's right. It was a hybrid car. So a hybrid car has a lithium-iron battery. But it could have been the fuel no, that ignited on You the can't screen. ignite diesel. It takes an awful temperature to ignite diesel. So that's out the window there straight away. Like, you can't ignite diesel. You can throw a match into a barrel of diesel and you'll quench the match. It's different if you had a petrol car. But it was a diesel hybrid that, that took off, you know. So it's still the battery that was responsible for, for the loss of that vehicle, you know. Actually, Emma has um, just put up there, according to the latest information on that investigation, the car was actually a diesel car. A diesel hybrid. But it's still not an EV. No, but it's still uh, it's still one of those batteries. It's still a battery. It's the battery that's causing these problems. It's the batteries that are not stable. Yeah, These batteries have been rushed into production. Well, just for clarity, the chief fire officer said, we don't believe it was an electric vehicle. It's believed to be diesel-powered mm-hmm. at this stage, all subject to verification, and then that but, fire is quickly and rapidly spread. But that's, that's the narrative we have to follow. There's a huge push on EVs, massive push. We're not allowed to say anything negative about an EV because it's just about insulting as insulting somebody's religious belief. I know, but a fire, officer isn't, so a fire officer isn't going to lie about the cause of a fire. He doesn't have a skin in the game when it comes to EVs. He's not going to lie about the source of a fire. Well, I do know myself from all my research, it was a hybrid. It was still a hybrid at the end of the day. It doesn't matter if petrol diesel, it was a hybrid vehicle that took that building down. Over 30 million euros, 30 million sterling worth of damage done. That's going to be a huge reflection on the insurance companies for everybody. We're all going to be nailed for higher car insurance. I mean, we only had one lady go up on the Jarvis um, shopping centre. You know, I mean, how, how many more fires do we really have to have before people are going to really say, listen, these batteries have been rushed into production. I mean, we have Toyota who have gone through two CEOs in the last 12 months who want to discontinue um, EVs, they want to move into like biofuels in, instead of, of um, hybrid. You know, we have Volkswagen, they're on the ropes. They have heavily invested into the technology so much and they can't even sell their cars. They're, they're at a standstill. Production yeah. is almost at a standstill, you know. Yeah. But, Actually, um, I have to leave it there, I'm afraid, because I'm out of time, but you won't be getting into an electric vehicle anytime soon, I take it. <laughs> No, I wouldn't touch one. Okay. All right, Richie, great to talk to you this morning. Thanks for taking the time. Okay. All right, all the best. Just to bring you a quick bit of reaction to that, uh, James said, just on electric cars, two years ago, my parents bought a Volkswagen ID4, 60,000 euro, very expensive, trying to trade it in at the moment, and it's worth less than 30. Uh, The electric car has lost 15,000 a year in value. My father is livid, sold an absolute lie in buying one. That's from James. Also, Brian says the battery-powered cars are also hazardous in a car park if a combustion engine car goes on fire near them. If the fire spreads when they go on fire, they cannot be extinguished. Fire services are told to leave them burn out. Insurance is going to be a huge issue when it comes to that. Uh, Also, hybrid engines are petrol, not diesel. That's according to one listener. And Pat was in touch. He said batteries are highly explosive, even in relation to solar panel battery backup. 
Uh, listener says, don't forget also the electric car is silent. You can't hear them in car parks reversing or coming towards you on side roads out walking. Uh, that's one of the points Richie was making as well. Uh, the next couple. Oh, yeah. Just to, to point out as well, Thomas was in touch with us. We were speaking to John about his concerns about parking during a funeral in Cashel earlier in the week. Uh, somebody just wanted to, to point out, he said, just to point out, a pure gentleman from Cashel had his funeral last Monday and Tuesday. Uh, his mass was in the afternoon after the funeral of the out-of-towners. So just not to be confused, that's from Thomas. Keep those texts coming in 083 311 Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Michael was in touch to say, listening to the conversation on car fires, safety and escape. There is a handy hack worth noting with regard to escaping from a vehicle on fire or, or, the, or other situations. The headrest, when removed, shows a spiked end which can be used to break a window glass. All modern cars now have headrests over seats as a safety aid. Thanks for that, Michael. But as Richie was pointing out, the problem with the electric cars is that a lot of the headrests are now moulded into the seat. So you don't have those kind of adjustable headrests that you used to have that you're able to remove and then use to break glass. And what Richie was saying is that maybe people who have these type of cars should invest in some kind of hammer, a glass hammer that they can keep in their glove box in the event that they might need it and maybe they're trapped in their vehicles. Keep those texts coming into us 83 311 or 1800 Now we were speaking yesterday about the CSO report that revealed their economic and social change report. It came out this week and it looked at Ireland between when we joined the EU in 1973 and now. A few of our listeners were in touch with the programme on how times have changed since then. Geraldine joins me on the line. Hiya, Geraldine. Morning, Alison. How are you? I'm great, Geraldine. Good to talk to you this morning. I mean, this report came out with some really, really interesting information. I mean, the cost of an average home, for instance, in 1973 was just £7,000 at the time. The equivalent now of €9,000. Could you imagine? My goodness. You wouldn't buy a shed for that now. You wouldn't. Not even a shed. It's crazy. I mean, Mm. when you look back then at, you know, I mean, how far we've come in 50 years is almost staggering. I mean, what do you take from it? Well, you know, I was in primary school the last year of primary school then, and you're at an age where you don't really notice, I suppose, the economy or how much things are to a certain extent. But uh, can you imagine uh, purchasing your house or doing your shopping or uh, whatever you needed to do on the wage that one has now compared to back then. That's the thing. And I grew up in a house where I had one parent at home and one who was working. I think most people did. I don't think you could do that now. No, certainly not. I think every household, well, I'd say 99.9 of them have a two-parent uh, out working yeah. or working from home or whatever. And like the cost of things, uh, you know, when you look back on it, the price of a house and, and you know, if you went into um, a restaurant or whatever back in the day, even the wage, uh, the average wage was £39 or something back like that. Can you yeah. imagine? And living on that for a week, I just can't imagine how they did it. 
No, I remember I had a part-time job after school and I had to work for a full weekend and it, would you believe it was to buy a biology book for first year Aww. and it was £39. My God. Yeah. And what did you earn then? For Was it £39 was what you earned over I the weekend? No, no, I had to say for about £14 right. I would earn, yeah. But was I that a lot of money at the time for you? Well, obviously it was, yeah. you know. I, and then I remember in my later years and later teens, yeah, if you go out the weekend with £20, and you know, you could go out with £20. Yeah. You'd still have enough for a bag of chips coming home. Yeah, that's the thing. Even I remember back when I was in college, that was over 20 years ago, and yeah. I used to have, I think, £40 in the week, and I used to go out three nights a week and feed myself on that, on £40. Yeah, pounds. yeah. I, and the price of a house. Yeah. You know, when you look at it and uh, compare it to now, like the, the, in 23, you paid average 300,000, 320,000 or whatever. Like, what a difference. Yeah. Can I depress you even more, uh, Geraldine? Because <laughs> yeah. going through, if you go through kind of the minutiae of the report, you'll find that the price of three and a half um, pound bag of potatoes uh, at that time was 16 pence and a pint Imagine. of milk was five pence. Imagine. God, Imagine. it's like, like I, if you went back to 1973 and said in 50 years, people, the average wage will be 80,000, they would think, oh my God, you must live in luxury to be earning I know, that amount of money. I know, I know. But you see, I, I think too, like a lot of our, our living standards have changed. Yeah. Like one of the things I read on, like a bottle of wine was only available in the restaurants. That was a luxury. Yeah. Like you didn't, you didn't go into your supermarket and, I don't even know if I don't think there was an off license. I don't think so. No. Yeah. You did, and you certainly didn't come home with your your uh, brown paper bag and a Friday evening with your bottle of wine to have for dinner. That was a no no. I remember at Christmas we would have a bottle of blue nun. Oh yeah. And yeah, and that was the ultimate luxury for dinner on Christmas Day. Yeah, you didn't have much choice then. It was either Blue Nun no. or I was even Leap Fromlick out at that time. That's I don't right. Even know. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. God. Something like that. When you exactly. look at the baby names then, Geraldine, John and Mary, the most popular for a long, long yeah. time, up until Amazing. maybe the 90s. And then it, it was Noah and Jack and Thea and Emily for girls, I think. Like the names haven't gotten that fancy, I suppose, really. You know, they're still no. nice names. I, yeah, and I think now they're kind of going back to the older names as well. Yeah. But, um, you know, like there was Rose and Alice and Henry and Arthur and all of those. Uh, a lot of those are coming back. And then we, I think we went to a period where we had all these names uh, taken after pop stars yeah. or singers or actors or whatever. Or the Pope. There's a lot of John Pauls around. Oh, a lot of John Pauls. Yeah. We, I actually only spoke to my husband about that the other day. Yeah. Yeah. And like Margaret and Michael and Patrick, they all they all them went out the window. Yeah. When you look then, you know, that's how we can look back and reflect on how we've changed in the last 50 years. You know, if if we're to go forward again another fifty years, I mean, what what kind of changes do you well, think we're I going to know. see? I don't know. You know, I uh, my grandfather was a very um, interesting man, and I always remember the first microwave we got, and I always remember saying, oh, "I wish grandfather was there," because he would be fascinated. Yeah, like a microwave, an air fryer, like yeah. all those things. We we had a, a Stanley cooker. Yeah, and that was it. So do we. 
and it was pots and pans and the oven was on all day and the bread was made, put in the oven, the food was cooked. We had an electric, we had a radio. You know, I had no television. We had no television growing up until I was, I'd say, 13 or 14. And they were simpler times. With the cooker now, you brought back a memory for me because we had one of those as well. And my mother yeah. used to put our pyjamas in the bottom drawer yeah. of the cooker before we go to bed. And all the clothes would be hanging yeah. along the rail to, to be warm before you... And I, a bathroom was another thing. Yeah. And now they have four or five bathrooms in their homes. And en-suites, oh my God. We, uh, en-suite was a dream when we were oh young. Oh my God, an absolute luxury. Yeah. An absolute luxury. Central heating. Yeah. I mean, that was a thing that, that came into being too, you know, later rather than 50 years ago. It was always very few and far between that had that sort of thing. There was, uh, definitely, we have a huge, huge change. And I don't know whether it's good or bad. It's good in one way. It's lovely to move on. And uh, the other thing is maybe sometimes we have too much. That's. I was going to ask you that. Do you think it made us better? Um, I'm... I don't know. I, there's another generation coming along now, and I think they, they're they a little bit soft, I yeah. suppose, selfish, and it's about them, and they kind of they look at you like a simple thing, like a telephone. I had this discussion with my grandson a while ago. The old type telephone, she had the notion, a, a tape, a tape recorder. Yeah. All those things. Now it's all it's all done. Um, online. on phone online yeah now, that's fantastic and why not move on but I don't know I think it's taken a lot of social skills away yeah 50 years ago we sat around and we chatted and uh, we always had the neighbours on a Sunday evening and whatever meat was left over on Sunday roast sandwiches were made and yeah. we all sat around and chatted you know and, and I was no any different and I read thing. a book yeah I remember I was trying to tell my lads there a couple of weeks ago that there used to be a van that went around on a Thursday evening with videos in it and yeah. he called to the oh, house and, you, and we loved it. I loved it. Yeah. And you get three for, was it a pound or two I pounds so. or something? Yeah. And he'd be back oh, yeah. the next Thursday to collect it and he had to make sure they, they were rewound right back to That's the beginning. That's right. That's right, yeah. They'll yeah. never we know the joy of that. No, 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 no. You see, but I suppose that's life, isn't it, Alison? You know, we're just getting old, Geraldine girl. We're getting old. <laughs> and now you've a long way to catch up on oh, me. I'm not too far behind you now, Ger. <laughs> not too far. But do you think, you know, if we're to continue on the road that we're going with all of this kind of modernization and, you know, like you said, we're, we're living in luxury now, even though, yeah. it, you know, we can barely afford it, but we're struggling yeah. anyway. I mean, yeah. do you do you think we kind of need to go back to simpler times or are we well, going past that point? I think we do. I think the simpler things in life would be less stressful. Yeah. Everyone is stressed. Yeah. Everybody's stressed. And I mean, you meet your partner, your husband, your son, daughter going backwards because everybody's out working and they're gone all day. And then you have dinner and homework and whatever else. And that goes on. And then good night, gone to bed and same thing next day. And another thing, too, I think, you know, this gathering of families and everything, that's gone out the window too. Like, it was a big point in our house that everybody sat Sunday lunch. Yeah. Now you have all sorts. Now, don't get me wrong, it's wonderful. And we all need to move on and we all learn to, you know, we all need to learn new skills and 
new activities and but still it would be nice to have that i suppose simple things from now yeah and remember and what's then, important very important very mm. important and manners is another thing you know like when, when when i was growing up if you didn't say please and thank you and i remember if there was visitors um coming uh you were put in another room with your book or whatever and yeah. the adults had their chat. Now, every, I don't know. I don't know. It's yeah. a very different world. And, and I do think we, you know, we had to work and earn our treats. Yeah. And the treats were few and far between. Oh, few and far between. There's a little grocery shop across the road from me on Sunday. Um was the day to pop over a bottle of fa- a Perry Crisp. Ooh. Oh, my Lord. Pack the Perry Crisp and a bottle of Fanta in this kind of glass bottle with kind of, you know, uh, rings on it. Oh, I thought I was the queen. <laughs> <laughs> and you could have one every day now if you wanted, Ger. Uh, you could have. Yeah. You could have three or four of them if you wanted. Oh, God. Amazing, yeah. A listener just sent a text there saying, a friend of mine bought a three-bed house uh, for £2,500 in 1971, and at the time I thought he was mad to pay that money. Isn't that incredible? My goodness. Uh, Geraldine, are you there? Oh, no, we've lost Geraldine. Oh, all right, we'll come back to her. There's text coming in anyway. Just bring out a few. Our listener says, two out working unless one parent is a carer and can't work or only one parent in the house and is a carer and supposed to survive on 236 a week and pay a mortgage with that. This is why carers should be getting double of what they are. Another listener says, I was a milkman in Thurless in the late 50s and a pint of milk was three pence. And in winter, we put an extra um, half a pence on it. Uh, yeah, a lot of memories coming in. Share them with us this morning. 083 311 or 1800 938007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry. In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Garage the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie. Welcome back to Tip Today. We're really bringing you down memory lane this morning. A lot of reaction to our conversation with Geraldine about how Ireland has changed over the last 50 years. A listener says, I loved when shops closed for a half day on Thursday and no shop open on Sunday. Bring back those days. Another listener says, I remember the time the videos were going around in the van. I used to have to get a good spelling test to be able to get somebody uh, to come on the following Thursday. That's excellent. Oh, I remember the man in the van. It was the best old thing. And you'd be waiting at the window for him to come in. I think it was a red van our fella came in and had the whole van kitted out full of videos that you picked out then for the week. Uh, simple pleasures. Copy with the days. Uh, keep those texts coming in to us this morning. 083-311-3311 or 1800 Now, less than one in four say they believe marriage is forever. The poll by the Daily Mail also found one third of 25 to 34 year olds think marriage is no longer relevant today. We decided uh, to ask a number of people on our social media. We have it up as well this morning if you want to comment on it. It's, it's an interesting one because a lot of people are saying they no longer believe that a lifelong union is actually realistic. Christine joins me on the line now. Hiya, Christine. Good morning, Ellie. How are you? I'm, I'm good, Christine. Good to talk to you this morning. I was a bit shocked at this poll, though. I, I, you know, I thought romance was still alive and well, but maybe not. What do you make of this poll? Well, I, I do, I like, I do believe that, like, marriage 
like people don't regard marriage as much anymore. Like they don't. We're kind of in the age and in the era of like if something's broken, throw it away rather than fix it and get something new. And that goes for people as well. Like friendships, relationships, like everything. Like if something's broken, they just throw it away and mm. walk away from it and get someone new. Rather than like sit down, start out your problems. It's not like your nanny and granddad's time where like marriages are lasting like, you know. Yeah, but I suppose the other side of that then is what we would have seen before is a lot of couples staying together because they felt they had to and were both miserable. Oh yeah, together. absolutely, yeah. yeah. Like people who are afraid to walk away from relationships and they're not now. But like they walk away over something like so so simple now. Like I mean like me and my partner we're not married and I'm just I'm twenty seven next week and um he's thirty seven and uh like we're we're not engaged, but like marriage to us, we may as well be married. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but like we're like we're like a married couple. <laughs> That's the people saying to hear us arrogant. They're like an old married couple. So like, um, but to me, like I could never imagine like not starting something out with him. I can't imagine anything becoming too big not to start out with him because like you know I love him and I know he loves me and. Like, I want that to last forever. I plan the future for us forever. And I'm sure he does as well. As yeah. <laughs> at times, I say to Chris Joker, but still at the same time, like, you know, if something, like, was to happen that was so bad we couldn't fix it, like, that would be the last resort to walk away. But, like, you plan on forever when you get to this stage of life. I mean, I mean, there is a time in your life when you have to, like, come to an age of settling down, like thinking of like your family, what you want for your next step of life and like making things last instead of just saying, oh no, this is getting too much for me, I'll walk away. Mm. Would you like to get married, Christine? I I would, but like I don't, like marriage this day and age, like it's like, it, there's too much like pressure and stress put on like financial strain of it, like. For the wedding? Marriage, yes, for the yeah. actual wedding and that's what puts, so many people my age off because they can't afford it. Whereas in my eyes, and I've said it to my partner, Joe, you know, it's come up a conversation. Mm. If I was to get married, I would get like my favourite priest, Father Bobby here, he used to be in Newport. I'd have him like marry us and it would just be like maybe someone from his side, someone from my side. Yeah. And then we'd have like, that would be all that there was that obviously our kids as well like us. Like, that would all, that's too bad a wedding. And then, like, the afters then would be, like, finger food, stuff like that. I would not be doing the old traditional of inviting Mary down the road because, yeah. oh, she went to school with my mother or, do you know, things like I mean, like, I'd invite them to the afters, yeah, but, like, it's not, it's the cost of marriage that's putting a lot of people off getting married. And, like, to be honest, like, cheating out there, Facebook, social media, it ruins, it causes so many insecurities because you see your fella going on like another girl's picture, you get insecure, just fighting and drama over and then you just walk away. Yeah. Do you know, back year, back years ago, your granddad couldn't go on and like Mary down the road, he couldn't go on and like her <laughs> picture on Instagram, <laughs> do you know what I mean? That's interesting. So do you think maybe social media has fueled this a little bit, this kind of distrust well, in relationship? Like, I, I know, like, I'd be like, I would have had insecurities uh, like at the start of our relationship of like, of social media, do you know what I I mean, like, yeah. because I'd be like, why, why is he why looking you... at her picture? That kind yeah, of yeah, thing. Yeah, I'd be like, yeah. I'd be like uh, he's like, uh, in my eyes, I'd be like, you're liking her picture because you like what you see, whereas <laughs> he just like it because he knows her. Do you know that starts yeah. away? I mean, like, girls look at things, in, girls look so much more into things than oh, boys we do. do. 
Yeah, so like I think like it does have an awful lot of aspects to play and like people then are saying like, oh, having hidden apps on your phone, so social media would have like a massive part of like insecurities or if you've been hurt before, people are just intent to like walk away, I find, rather than sit down with the love of your life and be like, look, this is upsetting me, we need to work on this, I want to build with you and this Mm. isn't working and then just start it out. But do you really think that a wedding or a marriage doesn't really change anything? Do you like? Do you think if you got married tomorrow, it would change absolutely nothing for you? I don't think it would. No, like uh, to be, uh, I I don't think like our lives would change in any way. You know, yeah. I wouldn't love him any less than I do today. Like now, tomorrow, uh, come here. I was cleaning up hair trimmings there off the sink this morning, and I was like, <laughs> a bit, do you know, you like you'd be fit to joke of that way, yeah. and then like. Last night when I came home after meeting my friend with the bike, he came home, he had the child's lunch mate, he was in bed asleep, and uh, I was just like, you're an angel sent from God, whereas this morning then I'm cleaning up beer trimming up thinking, I'm yeah. like, oh! <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, it's like, I don't imagine, like, marriage would change, like, anything much. I wouldn't love him any more than I do now. But, like, I do believe that, like, say, years ago, marriage was a big thing because of Catholic church-like. But people are so fast to, like, walk away from a marriage yeah. if something it goes wrong, or a relationship, if something goes wrong. I always believe, no matter what happens, if you need time apart and space apart, you obviously don't love that person. If you need to, like, take a break, there's something wrong there. Something is not right. Yeah. Like, because... If something's wrong, you. Ter- I know in my own relationship, I'm speaking from personal experience, I'm not a relationship expert by any means, but like when something goes wrong in my life, the only person I want to reach out to is my partner. Aww. And then like, so I can't imagine like, I can't imagine something happening and not being able to turn to him and say like, what can I do, do you know? Yeah. But I, I agree. So, when I was kind of around your goal and when, you know, we were discussing maybe getting married or we were together and I thought, your marriage won't really change anything. We have a child, we're living together, you know, it's not going to change anything. But I have to say, when we got married, there was this kind of little kind of shift in my thinking. Like, it, it was a strange feeling. You just felt you were more united than you were before, that you were, it's hard to describe, but you were really a did proper you, did, family. Did you want to kill him when you found Beard Sherman's under sink? Well, oh, yeah. Change? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, and, and I wouldn't even go through his bad habits now because he'll kill me. And yeah, there are some evenings I could kill him, but at the same time, like you, he'd be the first person. If I need consoling or if I have good news, he'd be the first person I'd go to. Yeah, and like, even like if I turn around to my mum and I'm like, mum, this drives me mad. She's just like, well, you think the good days because, like, my own parents' marriage didn't last, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, I never, like, I never had the memory of my mum and dad being together, whereas my brothers and my sisters did. Yeah. So, but, like, so I, like, I can't ever imagine my mum and dad being married that I chalk and cheese. I'm just like, how did you ever get on, you know what I mean? Sometimes that works, too. Sometimes yeah, it does. So yeah, it's always, yeah, to stay opposite the track. Yeah. So, and I'm just like, and she's like, no, he was a great husband, like, no, it just didn't work out and whatever. So, but like, she always said he was a fantastic husband, especially when she was pregnant and all this. Yeah. So, like, um, you know, there is, and I mean, like, when, when you go through a rocky part, like, in relationships and stuff like that, it really does test the boundaries yeah. of it, like, because you need to be able to rely on that person. And when you have to rely on them, that shows that, like, they'll either be there or they won't. And, like, I, I've seen it so many times on nights out where, like, I know from personal experience, there was a girl there, she's engaged to be married, and she was openly trying to chat up my boyfriend. And I'm just like, what? you have the nice, yeah, you have the nicest 
man at home to go home to and yet you're out here trying to chat up another man. And I mean, like, that was, that was in her local town. Did you kill her? No, I, but you know what? Because he, my my partner was as honest as me to tell me about it, so I was just like, "There's no point." Because like, I that she doesn't owe me anything. It's him. He's yeah. the one that I that like he owes it to me. She doesn't. Do you know what I mean? I mean, like, if she wants to go out and cheat on her, the only person she owes an explanation to is her partner. Yeah. She doesn't like her. It's like that's what an awful lot of thing comes down to on cheating as well. People say, "Oh, I'm going to kill the other woman," like the other woman whether she knows you're with someone or not, like, she owes you nothing. It's it's the person that gets into bed beside you and tells you they love you and all this. If they hurt you, that's not on the other person. That's on them. Christine, you're very wise. You should write a book. <laughs> you know how many times I have been told I have had that sentence said to me. I've had it, if I had a yore for every time, I'd be a millionaire. Well, you need to get on it then, Christine. <laughs> we, we need to get this idea in print now. And all your sage things. Can I say, uh, listeners texted in, he said, I don't think you need marriage. If you love someone, marriage costs money, as does divorce. Living together costs. Uh, sharing a home, which is costly enough. I live with my partner. It's no different to marriage, just my thoughts, said uh, well, you see, can I Can I just bust in sorry, yeah. something yeah. That, on. Just that one little thing there niggles me. Like marriage costs a lot, so does divorce. It doesn't why would divorce, why, why would divorce come into a question if you're thinking of marriage? Because marriage is a lifetime thing. Like if you're thinking of divorce, don't even talk talk about marriage because if you're already discussing leaving that person why discuss the next step with them yeah. I mean like yeah spades a spade you could break up but like you I would never say like oh if we broke up if we did like I plan for the future I don't I, and the good times I don't turn around and be like oh Jesus I can't wait for misery to happen there like that one thing in that message would like and I mean be like not cut it straight away like don't even discuss divorce if in the same sentence as marriage that would be my opinion now sorry for interrupting oh. you Oh, that's interesting. So you're, you're saying then that the fact he's even mentioning divorce shows that his heart really isn't in it for marriage? Or that yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, so like you don't, you don't discuss wanting to spend the rest of your life with someone and then be like, oh, but if we got divorced. You don't plan on getting married if you plan on getting divorced, you yeah. know? I mean, like marriage, like till death it was part. That is, the, and I always say to my partner, if we're married and I die, he better get in the casket beside me because I do not want him moving on. <laughs> I will not be happy if he. <laughs> but do you know what? For I'm sure if if it were ever to happen, you'd want him to be happy too. I know you probably don't like the idea of it now. No, no. If another girl touches him, I will haunt her. <laughs> I always say that It'll to my fella too. If I ever go, the line of women with casserole dishes at my door, I'll haunt them all. <laughs> That's exactly casserole dishes. They'd be lining up the streets with yeah. bloody Cassie Morgan and Balls podcast. You know, my fella. There wouldn't be a casserole or a sandwich in sight. He'd be well fed anyway for that couple of weeks afterwards. But Liz, oh, can I ask, do you think, like a lot of people in that age group who were polled, they were saying marriage is outdated. Do you think that? Do you think it's outdated? No, I don't. Like, if like if you love the person and you want to spend the rest, spend the rest of your life with them, why not be husband and wife? Because, I mean, like, come here, they say death was part. I'm not on about marriage. If I I get that widow's pension, if he stuff that. <laughs> <laughs> but would you marry again if something happened to him? Oh, God, no. I Like, even my mum, like, I'm 26 now, 27 next week. 
And like my mum and dad divorced when I was three and she never got married again. I do believe like you get married once in this lifetime and that's it. Now that's just my opinion. I would never judge anyone else if we get yeah. married three, four, four. If you're happy, you do you and I do me. Yeah. Like I would go to the wedding and celebrate. But in my opinion, I do believe that marriage is a once in a lifetime thing. You get married once and that's it. Oh, so you're like a lobster. I'm, I'm old fashioned yeah. like that. You're like a swan or a lobster. You'll only mate once and that'll be it. One <laughs> that's partner. It, that's it. <laughs> Christine, it's lovely to talk to you and I can't wait to have you on when you launch your book. That's going to be great fun. <laughs> and can I just, before we go, yeah. wish behind the scenes there, Emma, a massive happy birthday there in the studio for next week. Oh. She was telling me it's her birthday next week. So a big happy birthday to her. Yeah, and well done. Everyone put that in the diary because we'll be waiting for that. <laughs> Thanks for that, Christine. All the best. Nobody take okay. care. Bye. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. A lot of texts in for Christine. Uh, listener says she's a breath of fresh air. She is, she's a howl. She's great. We love having her on. That's Christine who was talking about uh, marriage and whether or not it's still important to people in the younger demographic. Text of the day, though, I think goes to Tom. Tom said, John and Mary have been courting for many years. No sign of John proposing. Mary decided to bring up the subject of marriage. John's reply was, sure, who'd be bothered with either of us? Thanks for that, Tom. That's excellent. Thanks a million. Uh, keep those texts coming in to us this morning. 83 311 Now, well over 100 people turned up for a Palestinian solidarity rally in Thurlis last night. The crowds were calling for an end to the conflict in Israel and Gaza. Local TDs Martin Brown and Councillor Jim Ryan were among the speakers. Tip FM Head of News Donald Doyle was there. Here's some audio from it last night. Gaza, Gaza, we hear you cry. Palestine will never die. Gaza, Gaza, we hear you cry. My name is Fadi and I'm Palestinian. I'm from Gaza. Tell me a bit about uh, your family uh, in Palestine. Yeah, so basically my family right now is stuck in in Gaza. My father and my grandfather, they are in Gaza. So my grandfather, he has, he's old man, he's 86 years old man, and my father, he's 65. So yeah, they are now under attack there, they are living there, they can't get anywhere. And you have been talking to them. Uh, they're doing all. I, I know they're not doing all right, but you. But they're 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 surviving at the moment. Yeah, like well, the last time I had a call with them, it was about four hours ago. But from time to time, everything can happen. So um, it's very hard to keep in contact with them, as even there is no internet. That's all only international calls. So it's very hard. The coverage as well is very hard. Like so, from time to time, I can get. Uh, access to call them so that's the way we keep to keep worrying about them yeah and what is the situation there at the, the moment the situation there is is horrible it's very hard uh, there is full seizure in gaza right now there is no water there is no electricity like the last time there was electricity it was five days ago and it's not about the electricity for the houses right now it's mainly for the hospitals the hospitals in gaza they are facing disasters the ICU rooms, they can't deal without electricity. 
like there is a lot of patient in oxygen therapy there are a lot of patient getting uh, like has to be operated right now like literally yesterday some of the doctors did operate the people the injured people just on the streets that's any room any place the, the ICUs is full full capacity like even in Gaza before the war there has been very many problems with the medical field because there is a full siege on Gaza more than 16 years old like the, the chemotherapy patients they have facing a huge of problems that right now they are they maybe will die from not getting the chemo they maybe will die from the attacks they will die from the panic attacks they will die no one will survive because like it's all it's unsafe from all the sides the attack is coming from everywhere is it any comfort to you the support you're getting here tonight in Turles? I'd like to, to, to thank Ireland for this huge support, not only in Turles, in all of Ireland. And I, I see very nice support, very nice solidarity in Dublin and Cork and Waterford. And it's very nice to see this crowd here in uh, Thurles. Uh, and in all of Ireland, I think Ireland give us uh, the right to say, uh, to show our solidarity. Uh, and they did show what happened in the Palestine. They did show the real picture. They did show our struggling, our suffering, like what is going there right now. Yeah, I suppose um, it was mentioned here tonight that at least our government are one of the voices who are calling for international law at least to be observed. Yeah, it's nice to see that Ireland support us. It's nice to see that Ireland can understand us. This is good feeling in this hard situation and this is struggling in this catastrophe. So we appreciate the Irish solidarity and the Irish support. That's mean very important to us and I would like to mention that Ireland has supported the Palestinian issue through all the time, not only now. Like a f years ago, years ago, I think the Irish people, they do understand us, they do understand our struggling, our issue, and I appreciate it. And thank you for giving us this is chance to show our solidarity and our support to Palestine. Gaza! Gaza! We hear you cry! Palestine will never die! Free, free! Palestine! Free, free! Palestine! Free, and that's some audio there from that solidarity rally that was held in Thurles last night. Uh, Donald Doyle speaking to a number of people there. There's a great article, actually. There's a two-page spread in the Daily Mail today which kind of really outlines uh, how dangerous this conflict could get, not just for that region but for, for globally as well because what it does is it shows you, it, it's a prediction of how each nation will react uh, if there are ground troops sent into Gaza. So it gives a two-page spread how Russia will react, how Syria, China, Lebanon, Iran, Egypt, Saudi Arabia, the US, Britain and the EU, how they will all react if this escalates any further. And it's something our next caller as well has been thinking about. Podrick joins me on the line. Hiya, Podrick. Hi, Ali. How are you? I'm good. Good to talk to you. This is something that, that concerns you, the wider geopolitical uh, yeah, aspect of this. it's like... Um we get most of our information from the main evening news and from other news bulletins like that. And first, can I say, like, the, the, the level of atrocity we've seen conducted by Hamas and by Israel towards the Palestinian people, you would hope that our world would have moved on from that kind of savagery. Yeah. That 
you know, with the UN and, and you know, with diplomacy, so you would imagine well-developed that those kind of things could not occur anymore, but they are occurring. And I suppose my point is the main evening news feeds us the atrocities. We see the people running from cars with injured children into overburdened hospitals. We see apartment blocks and buildings being levelled from the air. Um, but we see all the atrocities. And it's like the focus is on the symptoms of the disease um, and we're treating or looking at the symptoms of the disease, but we're not actually seeing the disease itself. Mm. And if you start with, if you try and move up from the atrocities, what Hamas did was an awful atrocity. But they went in and it a thousand or fifteen hundred militants into Israel and committed horrible atrocities. But they weren't trying to overturn Israel militarily on motorbikes with machine guns. So what were they trying to do? And the only reasonable conclusion you can come to is that they were trying to shock. They were trying to provoke something. And Israel then, in its response, has committed atrocities also. Uh, why are they doing that? And then the, the article that really brought it out for me was the one in Associated Press during the week. Because you'd be thinking, there's a, there's a border with Jordan, there's a border with Egypt from Gaza Strip. They're Arabs too. They're largely Muslim countries. Why why are they not letting refugees into their countries to get away from this terrible uh, bombardment from, by Israel? And the, the king of Jordan and the president of Egypt are united in this. They have said, no refugees into Egypt or Jordan. And you wonder, that, how, how is that humanitarian? You know, why can they just, why, why would they take that position? And apparently there's two reasons for it. One is, if they let refugees drain out of Gaza into Egypt and Jordan, there will never be a Palestinian state yeah. because they will concede that land to Israel. And is that what Israel are after to make it so intolerable? in Gaza Strip that people would, or finally Egypt or Jordan would relent and they would get the land that they want. But I suppose my point is this, that I'm, I'm no geopolitical expert and my views are no more valid than anybody else, but I'd really like to see the main evening news go beyond the atrocities and interview somebody who actually puts the jigsaw a little bit together, at least gives you an idea of what it might be that's causing these things so that we're not just seeing the symptoms and not getting any idea of what the actual disease is. Yeah, and I suppose what is behind each country's decision to go behind a certain, uh, or to go behind a certain support, like whether they're pro-Israel or pro-Palestine, what is the reason for that? We need to know that too. Yeah, and there's a theory out there, and it might sound like a mad conspiracy theory, but it's an interesting one to think about. How much have you heard about the war in Ukraine or how much negativity have you heard about Russia in the main evening news here or probably in the United States since Hamas went into... Oh, nothing. It's, it's gone, yeah. yeah. And who, who funds Hamas? I don't know, to be honest. Iran. Iran. Mm. And Iran provides the Shahid drones that are used daily, thousands of them in Ukraine. Iran and Russia are allies. Iran has supported a group that has committed an atrocity that has taken the focus off Russia. Mm. You just wonder, you know, because America is the biggest funder of Ukraine in the war. That's the thing. And that's why I found President Zelensky's comments a bit uh, 
disingenuous and a bit maybe dis- dispassionate last week where he said his main concern about what's happening in Gaza is that it will take the focus away from Ukraine. But I think really all he's worried about is that he won't be getting his American money anymore. Well, uh, again, you know, he does have citizens dying. He does have soldiers dying. I can actually imagine if we were under attack, we mightn't be so much worried about Yemen yeah. as we would be about Ireland and Tipperary. So, yeah, look, probably... It was a stupid thing to probably say on a world stage, but I can do. I do understand if you have responsibility for a country. Porrick, it also raises time. the question as well: What is the point of the UN? Isn't you know? Yeah. Isn't this what they should be getting involved in? Yeah, exactly. And, and kind of snippets you would see in in pe- you know some people writing about the UN. It seems to be kind of some kind of congealed chess game, where all that goes on is diplomacy with without any actual outcomes or any real finger on the pulse of where problems are. And again, like you have Russia with a veto on the Security Council, which kind of controls aggression like what's going on in Israel and Ukraine, but can't control it because the main agitators in the world, including the US, have vetoes. Mm. So, like, yeah, it's, it's a pity, like the UN, if it was effective, would be would be a great player now, but all they're doing now is pleading and, and looking for things. But Where do you see no this sanction. going, Podrick? Do you think this will go into a ground assault? I think I think um, Israel are probably capitalising on the atrocity, and the longer they leave it, I think they will have less, I suppose, moral, if you could use that word, or at least legitimacy amongst the Israelis for a ground defence, putting their own troops at risk and stuff like that. So I think as time goes on, it becomes less likely. But then again, they have nailed their colours to the mass and Netanyahu said there will be. Yeah. So he'll lose face if there isn't. Um, but you just, your heart goes out to those people, you know, millions of people told, move to the south, then they get bombed yeah. there. And you see people on the television sitting. Like if you were told to move tomorrow to the north of Ireland, you've no house there. You, you've no water in the case of Gaza, you've no fuel. You're, you see them last night sitting on their bag, mm. just sitting there, nowhere to go, can't get out, can't go anywhere. They've no, they've no economy to speak of, no social welfare. But like, what do you do? It's, it's just, it's just awful. And the only real global support that they seem to have is from Ireland. Yeah, the, the Palestinians, yes, yeah. there seems to be the only country, and I'm very proud of that, that's willing to say what's been going on for years towards Palestinians by Israel is wrong. And Ireland has been fantastic, I think, in in stating that we have very little, I suppose, power in the world. But it's really great that we do just say those words that, you know, what's going on is is wrong. Porrick, we'll have to leave it there for this morning, but a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks so much for calling in. That's uh, Porrick there. And that piece, if you want to look at it in the mail today, which gives a real stark outline of of what could happen and and where each one will, will pitch their flags, that's on page eight of the mail today. And it's the headline, We are standing on the edge of a precipice. Of course, we'll be speaking about that with our Friday panel coming up just after 11. News is next. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Look, I suppose the main topics of the week, we'll start with the flooding. We were going to talk about Israel, Palestine, first of all, but th- I know the flooding was a huge, huge story this week. And particularly for you, it kind of hit you personally, Alison, because you were down there yesterday. What was it like? Oh, my God, it was absolutely, it, w- it was just completely devastating. And to see 
people and their businesses destroyed. I wasn't up around any of the homes, um, but like Middleton's in chaos. And to be honest, you see people coming out now going on about climate change and all that. Complete and utter rubbish. This really? is a problem that's been going on for decades. Before the banks ever burst the other day, the water was bubbling out of the manholes. It was coming up drains and toilets. The infrastructure is not in place. I don't know what the engineers and the council are doing because they're not, like, 2015 should have been enough of a warning. I was down there again after the floods of 2015. It was catastrophe yesterday, though, like the aftermath compared to even 2015. Yeah, yesterday was worse, was it? And there's talks of it flooding again today. Yeah. Like, there's, there, you know, no one's dredging the rivers. There's no actual maintenance work being carried on. So I don't know. And like Leo Varadkar coming down there yesterday, the way I'd be looking, giving people 5,000 euro, it's, it's not even a drop in the ocean. Like, to be honest, put our money where his mouth is. Because there's all this money going out of the country. It's like, look at the, you get on an air an airplane to fly somewhere. The first thing they say is, look after your own mask before you attend to others. Mm. That's what we need to start doing with this country. Because to be honest, we're giving money here, there and everywhere and aid to this, that and the other. But we're not looking after our own. And unless we can look after our own country, we can't look after anyone else. Like Middleton is in dire straits. And to be down there yesterday morning... Were there a lot of resources... Down Not that I could see. Really? Like there was as people on the main street with massive skips that they bought in themselves for the day. Like there was no help that I could see. You know, the, I, in the afternoon, the council dropped off a few bins. Ah. To, but that was it. In the morning time, it was neighbours, friends, family that were helping. The presence was so low while they can, the council continued to work on a cycle lane that's been put in place and I think it's another 46 car parking spaces are going to be taken away. It reminds me of Cashel. There's nowhere to park as it is. Like, these people need people to come into the town now yeah. to spend when they do get back up and running. I don't know where they're going to be parking because everyone isn't going to be cycling around all winter. Like, to be honest, it's beggar's belief what's going on. Liam, what do you think the response to this has been? I know there's been a huge media coverage to it. The Taoiseach even was very quick to go down there yesterday. But, you know, in terms of, of what the people need and businesses need down there, has the response been sufficient? Not really. I think, like, there's, there's, I'm sure there's lots of businesses and homeowners in Clamel looking at that last night and thinking, God, they're where we were 20 years ago and they know exactly what the, the businesses in Middleton are facing now. Look... As Alison said, this is an infrastructural problem. This just doesn't happen. You know, you can't have a situation where you have one, really one bad day of rain or two bad days of rain destroy a town the yeah. size of Middleton. And as Alison said, it's going to happen again. There's no doubt about it. I don't subscribe to this whole climate change thing either with weather. Weather changes all the time. But, you know, when we develop on lands and we develop on floodplains and we develop on areas just to put in uh, new housing and then we don't fix the infrastructure that's there that's going to get rid of water, that's going to get rid of sewage quickly enough to, to put that into place, you are going to have these problems. And it's Middleton now. It was Clonmel. Yeah. God knows. I remember half of, half of the, the west of Ireland used to be flooded there for a while with the Shannon. It's just moving from place to place. And we, we always seem to be chasing the emergency, chasing the disaster. But we've no disaster relief team, really. I mean, as Alison said there yesterday, like the army should have been straight away down there yeah. yesterday. Really should have been straight away. I mean, not only to save business, but to potentially save save lives and save livelihoods. Um, like Alison said as well, we're going to probably talk about Israel and Palestine in a few minutes. You know, we announced a £13 million package for Gaza immediately this week. 
we said we will try to get a ten million pound package for Middleton tomorrow, and I, I can guarantee you that's going to annoy an awful. It has annoyed an awful lot of people. I listened to one of the businesses, the lollipop shop from Middleton this morning on the radio coming in long. And she was quite rightly very, very annoyed. Her business probably destroyed. Alison's friend down there with a the restaurant. Like, their business are destroyed because it's not only with the damage that's been done now, but it's the fear of future damage. Yeah. How, did it, how does that business get insurance? How does that business get a supplier to give them credit to buy goods when they might end up throwing those goods in a skip in a while? And most of them don't have insurance. Th- this yeah. has yeah. Of, because, since because, of, because of previous. And that's when the leadership, you yeah. know, should have come into place. Like, who's wh- who's wagging the tail on the, you know, and the dog, really, to be honest? Because... There we have government, and sorry to cut across the Liam. Go ahead, yeah. You know, in 2016, when they were told we won't get insured again for this, that's when government should have stepped in. Because why should we be paying any insurance if there's not going to be payouts? Yeah. Like, to be honest, help was looked for the other morning and help was not received. People went down looking for sandbags. I don't know if they'd have been of any real help anyway. The council said we haven't got any. So what what does that say? And in fairness to Alan O'Reilly from Carlow Weather, he foresaw this as he calls himself a hobby meteorologist. But he said what really needs to change here is how we look at giving flood warnings and, and weather warnings in general. You're yellow, you're orange and you're red. An orange weather weather warning was given for Cork. The size of Cork City, that's Cork County. Yeah. A weather warning covers a whole county. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it needs to be more localised. Those people got no warning to get stuff out. Like, they were salvaging absolutely... There was windows broken. Every, the water was so strong that it just tore the place asunder. <laughs> And Joe, we saw Matt Aaron come out then yesterday and apologise and say maybe we need to do things a bit better. You know, obviously the warning was the wrong warning, but do you think they have a bit of responsibility in this? Um, yeah, I suppose everybody has a bit of responsibility. When I say everybody, like, I mean, I mean everybody. Like, the, Matt Aaron, they should have come out and said yes, it should have been probably a red warning. But the thing is, when they do come out and say that is the problem. You know, if they say too far in advance, are they panicking? Are they all this? You know, we had. It depends on the type of premises you have. You know, if you have, you have to raise stuff off the floor. To, no, but that's only that side of it. That's only business side of it. If you look at schools, like there was school down there with special needs and tractors and trailers had to go in. What we're doing all the time in this country through the system that we have in the country that's designed through all these departments and councils and everything else is we're constantly firefighting. Mm. And if we come along tomorrow morning, like and say, right, hold on a second now, just say. Pick a town the size of any medium town that you want to pick throughout Ireland and say we're going to change all the manhole cover to put in bigger you know bigger pipes to take away all the flood water for the next 25 years there'd be objections to this and there'd be objections to that like I don't know a time damn well here in Clamel you know when you couldn't drain the river yeah couldn't dredge the river because there was some yoke below in the middle of the river or whatever else and yet now there was houses getting flooded More, like it was up to the up to the, the top of the mantelpiece in houses yeah. and the problem with all that is like you know you can go on and say like about mental health and all that like part this mental health thing but the stress of that and I always uh, feel so sorry like for people of an age you know that after the flood they have to go back into the same house yeah. and I remember over in a place like the old bridge and when you meet the people over there and all they would ever say is yeah yeah you know the house is painted and you know Alison came in and Lean came in they did a great job and their nieces and everything 
but when will it happen again? Yeah, it's waiting yeah. for the next one. And, yeah. Straight, yeah. and the fear and the stress of... Now, you picture those individuals going to bed at night, and, and what you don't, what people don't understand either is in places like Killet that never flooded before ever. Yeah. Mm. Now, all of a sudden, these places have And people, they'll shops that were flooded, and they will look down and they'll say, hold on, is it worthwhile we opening again? Mm. Yeah. And they'll go out of business. There'll be a job loss. There'll be less milk being delivered or whatever. And this is the whole knock-on of everything. But a lot of the problems are, and they are, that people are, they're developing things on floodplains. We are an island and we're developing things on floodplains and all these, like Sarsfield's GA pitch in Glenmire, you know. And now what the happens in a pitch? The torrent of water yeah, that but, there. And what, what happens there? Like, right, you have a pitch. What do you do with the pitch? A crowd of volunteers, you get together. What do you do? Put a few white lines or oh, we'll expand the field. Nobody ever thinks of going away and saying, bloody hell, will we do this? Will we get a risk assessment? And people don't do that. They just, but we're going gone to the stage because the rain we're getting now I was in Cork on, on uh, Wednesday and it was absolutely frightening the rain. I drove down to Cork on Wednesday and it was literally frightening to see the volume of rain and the amount of rain. Now we didn't have that years ago like in that right you know we had two or three days but we're getting torrential rain now. We're getting the manhole the, you know the, the gullies can't take this anymore like. Would that say to and, you then it's climate change? No I think there's a bit of everything. I, I honestly think there is a bit of everything. I think the rains we're getting now, we're getting them more consistent and we're getting them a lot. Of, like, we had Star and Agnes there, what, three or four days ago, literally. We now we have this Star and whatever you call it. We'll have Babby. another one. Babby. We'll have another one now next week or the week after. So we're getting them a lot. We're getting more frequent. But the problem with that, we know we're getting them more frequent. But what are we doing to counteract it? Yeah. Why aren't we out there like saying we need bigger gullies, we need bigger outlets, we need to do things and we need to take things away, get the water away quicker? Why then can't we have the army will say on standby when these things are coming in? Or volunteers on standby or something and say we need this, we need this, we need this. All that, the whole thing has to be looked at. Yeah. And we're not looking at it in that global way. As I said at the start, we're firefighting, hope to God won't happen. And when it happens, then we'll see what we can do about it. Yeah, and Liam, what you were saying about this kind of emergency response team, we, we surely should have that in place. Absolutely. I mean, that, should be, that, that should be there the whole time. I mean, right. we have civil defence, but I mean, civil defence, they, they come out when the emergency happens. Yeah. They don't plan for it. I mean, the sort of thing that went on below Middleton, as what went on in Clonmel when it used to go on in Clonmel, and thank God it seems to have been more or less here up in Clonmel after an awful lot of damage was done in the first place, that we, we need teams who can get down there straight away. But on what Joe was saying there, one of the problems we have in this country across a lot of services, the health service, other services. We never deal with a problem until it becomes an emergency yeah. instead of planning for it. And you talk about roads, and I, I'm involved in a roads committee on the county council, and we've been talking about the N24, making the N24 safer, the road from Limerick to Waterford. Now, I was on a committee 20 years ago, and we wanted to make that road safer. And every single time there seems to be a change of government, there becomes a change of policy, and then it becomes a change of attitude towards the road. And this government now are you know, being pushed by the Greens. They don't want to build dual carriageways, they don't want to build bypasses, because they want to put us on bicycles. So the road stops. The next government might decide to start again, but we've wasted four or five years yeah. of, of possibly planning and infrastructural development. That sort of thing is happening now with water development. We have Irish Water, who are now supposed to be looking after all the water pipes. But... Some of the councils are with Irish water, some of the councils are not with Irish water. You know, they're, they're developing water in some places and they're not developing the infrastructure in other places. So we kind of wait. And I will be absolutely certain that in six months' time there's going to be a brand new plan 
brought up from Middleton that we're going to do something about Middleton and like we did with Clamel and it's going to take four or five years to do it and, and by the time that's finished some the water will be coming out someplace else yeah. because someone else didn't do a job further up a river mm. in, in Loud or didn't do a job further up a river in Carlow or in Kilkenny but we need certain certain infrastructure has to be more important than political parties it has to be beyond them it doesn't matter which party is in charge they all need to get together and say look we need certain things done as far as looking after our water system our rail system our road system and it doesn't matter what government changes we go with a plan and we all stick to that plan because all we're doing is we're pushing the problem someplace else yeah. it was Clammel, it's Middleton it's going to be someplace else after that And Alison is there an argument there as well to kind of widen the scope for how anywhere works will affect other areas down the line. I mean, like Liam was saying, you, there a lot of people questioning whether the works at Dunkettle and the flood works in Blackpool led to what happened in Middleton. You have it here, like Ardfinnan is very bad, badly hit with flooding now. Exactly. Under Dune is really moving yeah. a problem. And we've so many so-called experts. Like, to be honest, you know, I, like, and I've said it many times before, the flooding in Clonlara some years back, no experts spoke to the farmers. People who had generationally grown up in these areas, who knew the lay of the land, who knew where there was natural springs. The people on the ground that don't have the letters after their name, but have more knowledge Mm -hmm. about, say, areas than these so-called experts. You know, like, there's a two-tier thing and it's very high and very low. And that's the problem. The people oftentimes that actually know aren't considered because they don't, they're not... They're not qualified. Exactly. So I think, to be honest, we need to go back to a bit of practical thinking as well because you have so many students going to university now and they're learning all this theory. They do not know how to put it into practice. And the thing is, they all... That's happening in many cases is a problem has been shifted around. Yeah. What's the mood like in Middleton? Um, say, pure despair. Yeah. You know, like, because the thing is, because so few have insurance, they don't know that what, will turn what's going to happen. That will, yeah. turn will turn to anger. And there's a lot of anger there. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a lot of community spirit there. That's like, great. To, to see people getting in and giving a hand and, you know, just wanting to, to give a hand. And thank God for them, yeah. because... Mm-hmm. Like, you wouldn't want to be relying on the people that are being paid to do it because nothing would be done. Like, it's, you know, I think sometimes you look at... I look at... We we go into work and if you're 10 minutes later, early, you get out of the car and you go in and you start work. But you see an awful lot of people parked around the country. They're not getting out of their vans until 9 o'clock until the actual, you know... And it's the mentality. And, you know, say, I just think, as a person who, you know, is is a worker and has no problem with working. My, my say, idea is get in there, get the job done, move on to the next thing. And maybe but, you're probably going to say insurance, are no, 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 I, I just want to jump in there just for one second because I know Joel wanted to come back in. But the council workers on the ground, there's not enough of them and I, I'm not going to be down on the council workers. I do think they do fantastic work. I didn't say, work. Any, I no, didn't I say anyone in particular. You're made. saying the council <laughs> no, workers, what saying, not me. What I'm saying is I, I do work with the council workers and by and large they are absolutely brilliant. But you're right, in some cases there's way too many layers of management. I'd say in the public them, sector absolutely, rather than the private sector because we can't afford in the private sector to sit in... Yeah. You know, we can't all, afford all oftentimes all to take an hour of a long. But, just, but, but you see, if you don't mind me saying so, if you look at this, we were talking a second ago about like quite a slow response, you know, you're saying so. It's slow to response because of the system, yeah. because nobody can make a decision. 
Mm. Like if you're there in your own shop, your own house, your own this, you can decide, turn off the tap, turn off the electricity, lock the door, you can so open the front door, let the water out the front door, in the back door. You can make your own decisions. When you're involved in, say, places like the County Council and all these places, you can, every committee, every decision is by committee. And it takes, you can, because nobody has the this assumed authority to make the decision and if you do if I make a decision Liam will give out to me if Liam makes a decision Ellis will give out but and this goes doesn't on doesn't that just show how the system is broken like look at the children's but, hospital but that's what I've said yeah, in the beginning know. that's what I've said in the beginning three billion mm. who is accountable but because there's now. people but, being paid an awful lot of money high up the ranks if they're not accountable out the gate but because sec- we can't afford it but one second now well, let me just finish what I was saying then Alison please <laughs> but anyway when you look back when you look back then at other things and you're looking at you're saying to yourself you know where's this all going or what are we going to do about it what I see uh, going back to Liam's point there earlier on like you know he was saying about the government is I was on committees like on PPN committees or P what was it? Yeah, PPN, uh, PPN committees and there was another person in myself and we were on about one item on the agenda constantly and what happened? took the item off the agenda of that committee oh. and moved it to a different committee. Oh my God. That's, that's absolutely, that's that happened like, so it'll just show you, that's what's going on like we'll say at local level. So if you don't want to, you're talking about kicking the can down the road. When you, you and you will find this as well, when you go to, the, this is the reality of what happens in life. If you go down to Glenmire or Middleton, say next Monday, right, and things are back to, we'll call it some bit of normality. Yeah. And you're saying, right, we better put a flood defence up here. We better build a wall. Tis then you'll see the objections and I'll want this and I'll want that and by God yeah. you won't build the wall outside my house and I'll environmental tell you one thing. impact and environmental yeah. impact and there'll be studies and studies and I'll have to go around your house and I'll have to go over here and then you'll have people saying well the view of the hill now would be gone from me and all that that's the way you yeah. know like when you look at say uh, Irish people we're, we're a funny kind of race of people you know you see the budget comes out you know the budget and you say to people what do you think of the budget and all this is there was shag all in it for me anyway yeah, can even I, though we're a nation of givers and we give all and we, this comes back to this you know? can I put a text to you in from listener Declan says does the panel seriously think we can prevent natural disasters such as Middleton was weather and its consequences cannot be completely prevented forward planning may help but climatic change is upon us that's reality are we to build flood walls all around our low lying towns concrete and tarmac doesn't allow drainage um, only facilitate fast runoff for rains but isn't that but, yeah, but, isn't that, but, but that is all part of planning like like, and don't like you, you look at the Shannon, you look at the shore, you look at the, any of these rivers, like let it be the Onacora, let it be anyone that look at. Like, you can't catch the bloody river and move it over 400 yeah. yards over that way, you can't do that. But when you know you can't do that, then you have to do something. Either don't allow people to build the houses near it, or either remove the people from it, or try and protect the houses that are there already. Yeah. You have, but you have to do something. Because what I would have seen when we were in Clamour, living in Willow Park, up on the height outside the town that you, people might know or don't know. And yet and all, when the floods were here, when you come to renew your insurance, the first thing come up, oh, you're in Clamel, penalised. Yeah. Now, if we get flooded, there'll be 20,000 people drowned, gone. Yeah. Right. But we're still on a map somewhere that you're in Clamel, more than your high risk, high yeah. insurance. Plus, De- Declan's point there is, you know, we're not trying to we're not trying to change a natural disaster. In some cases, these are not natural disasters. They're bad planning. Mm. They're they're maybe not cleaning out culverts. They're not cleaning out drains. They're over cleaning rivers further up. 
that the water is now moving too fast down towards me to take ditches out. So, like, you cannot just say, oh, it's climate change, no. we can't do anything about it. Yeah. You know, you can mitigate it. You're yeah. not going to change things. But, I mean, like, you take buildings in, buildings in Japan where they have earthquakes. They make them earthquake-proof or as best they can. You can't just throw your hat at it and go, look, we must sacrifice Middleton, we must sacrifice Carmel because we're going to have extra rain over the next couple of years. You've yeah. got to put in something to mitigate what may happen. OK, our next topic is Israel. We'll go to that after the break. During the break... I'm going to throw myself at Alison's feet. Here we go. <laughs> tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie we're back with our Friday panel of Liam, Alison and Joe. Our next topic up for discussion is, of course, the story that's been dominating headlines all week, and that's the situation in Gaza. Um, a lot of criticism, I suppose, of comments made by everybody this week. The president's comments dissected, the Taoiseach's comments, the comments of Joe Biden as well, which were kind of extraordinary. Can I ask you each individually, um, Joe, I'll start with you. What was your main takeaway from events this week? Well, what I can, what I see happening in in these things is that you have an awful lot of commentators like and they're inclined to look at blame and proportion blame and they're more interested in putting blame and comparing. You know, they want to blame somebody and all. I'd be far more interested in in could the problem be solved because if you keep blaming somebody, like you're never going to solve the problem because nobody is going to accept I'm wrong or Liam is right or I'm wrong. Or, I think that a lot of this is wrong on every side in in most of these conflicts. If you go back far enough to the bit of wrong proportion here, there, I'd be far more interested in seeing could the problem be solved and get a panel of experts that you can get together and see can they sit down and solve this problem. I think this what's going on and all the time in a lot of these things is this tit for tat, tit for tat, tit for tat and it's going nowhere. And there's commentary then about who made the comment, which is what's happening this week. Yeah. Who said this and who said that. That's not helping to solve any problem. Mm. because you're, to me you're only uh, exaggerating the situation as you go along the whole time. He said that there's more tw- like... The focus changes into Leo Varadkar to Michael D. Higgins to Joe Biden to somebody else, uh, Van der Leyen. The, the whole topic changes to talk about these people instead of seeing can you get a panel of people together, sit down and solve the problem. Yeah. And Liam, one of the big questions people are being asked in relation to this is what side are you on? I mean, that's surely not helpful either. That's the problem. Yeah, That is the big problem. And not only that, that has created a bigger problem where... We don't know what the truth is, but more importantly, we don't care what the truth is. Yeah. We've decided that we're on one particular side and we can find our own truth that will back up our opinion on that side. You know, if, well put. If, if the Israelis say they didn't bomb the, the hospital, we'll, we'll find someone to say that show proof that they didn't bomb it. And if the Palestinians say they didn't bomb it, people who support Palestinians will say the same thing. So we don't know nowadays... Things can be manipulated so much nowadays. It's so easy to talk in echo chambers about things. Uh, I listened before I came in along to a person you had before the break talking about the Iranians pushing Hamas to start this last week. So that a second front on American uh, spending would be opened up. You know, we're not talking about the, the Ukrainian war anymore. But now the Americans are going to send in billions to Israel and billions to Ukraine which may undermine Joe Biden coming up to an election next year and bring back Donald Trump. The Russians may think that maybe they can deal with Donald Trump, so they'll use this as an excuse to get rid of Joe Biden. Um, like, compare it to the, to, the, to the war in Ukraine. I, I looked at the figures last night. About 1,700 children have been killed in Ukraine in the last 18 months. 1,600 children have been killed in Gaza since last, since last weekend. Like, 
It's absolutely atrocious. Mm. It really is atrocious. And I think we don't care as much about Gaza as we do about Ukraine. I think that's obvious. But I'll be absolutely honest, I don't think we care that much about Ukraine either. I think we've become uh, tired of desensitized. it. We've become desensitised. It's gone on so long. We are now gone to the stage where, and I think quite rightly, we need to start asking ourselves, how long more are we going to put money into both these wars without thinking about what we're putting money in? Because there are innocent people dying because people want to continue a war. That's a fact. There are uh, countries being destabilised because other people want to sell arms. And when we pick a side, we're either on the good side or the bad side. There's no good or bad side of killing a child. There is no a, a dead Israeli child is just as important as a dead Palestinian child, and we seem to not care about which side the amount of of, of deaths are on. It's over there. It's on television, but I think we've become desensitised of it. And I, I, I genuinely think that more people will care about the discussion we had over the floods in Middleton than will care about what we are speaking about now because we've been speaking about this for the last 10 days and it's been going on for the last, really, 48, 50 years over there. But it's just been going on 3,000 years. Mm. And it, it's terrible to say, but I, I, I think that... We'll cry and we'll uh, say, oh, it's terrible when we see a church was bombed last night, a hospital was bombed two days ago. But within within a couple of hours of the hospital being bombed, I don't think that hospital was bombed at all. No, here's proof. Look, it was a car park was bombed. The hospital wasn't bombed. And if you want to believe the hospital was bombed, you will. If you want to believe it wasn't bombed, you won't. Mm. So the truth has gone out the window as well in an awful lot of this. Would you agree, Alison? Completely. And the thing is, I think people don't know what to believe because mainstream media now are reporting on truths. So, you know, it used to always be, oh, social media and, it's um, you know, creating so much, uh, say, false information. But mainstream media are creating so much false information. And, you know, say last week about the bombing again, you know, you had the Telegraph saying one thing, you had the Daily Mail saying another thing. You, you know, they were all so and, you know, like RT as well. They were wrongly uh, giving out information the other evening. So the thing is, where do people look to? Exactly. You know, these are where people looked at to gather, to get truthful information. Unbiased. Exactly. Mm. But now, you know, it just muddies the water completely and people will switch off mm -hmm. because if you don't understand it and you've no way of actually finding a way to understand it, um, it's just, you know, it's like we're trying to erase history now as it actually happens. They've been talking about erasing history from the past. But we're actually currently trying to mess with mm. what's actually happening. Um, and that's the thing, you know, you get it spoken out of both sides of the one mouth. Yeah. And what do you do? We see it every day in every, like, not just the wars. We see it in, you know, in Ireland, in different, say, current affairs and what's happening. There's oftentimes very conflicting reports mm. coming. So what we've, do you do? We've a lot of funding going towards it from the Irish government. They announced an aid package this week. I know you kind of alluded to it a little bit when we were talking about Middleton, that that money is better spent here, particularly when we saw what happened in Middleton. It's needed here. Well, it is needed here. And the thing is, the infrastructure here is broken. Like we're bringing a lot of people into the country at the moment. More so, it's, it's unprecedented, the numbers. But our infrastructure can't cope. So, like, there's no problem with bringing people in if we had the right infrastructure to be able to cope with it. But our infrastructure is broken. We need to start igniting the home fires again because they're well and truly quenched. Mm. And get, you know, and it's nothing against anybody else. But 
you know, we need to go back to basics. That's how I feel on it. Yeah. Uh, Joe, can I bring you in on it? Because, uh, you know, we do have skin in the game to a certain degree because we have Irish troops in the Lebanon who are now under, well, under threat at, at the yes. very least. Do you think yeah. they need to be pulled out now? Well, you you see, as you say yourself, you know, we have skin in the game and the problem that we have is, and, you know, when you're involved in these, in these you know, these peacekeeping roles or whatever else, and I suppose, you know, if you're on one of these peacekeeping council I assume that is done on a percentage rate do you know what I mean that you have so many percent and you must do this but at the end of the day we still have to look after the, the safety health and welfare of our own troops of our own people and I think that they should be pulled out if they're in danger you know it doesn't make any sense that we're putting lives at risk and families lives at risk but I'll go back like to the, another point of view to my, that, that yeah. Alison has raised and one of the things that one of the things that I see come, becoming a problem we kind of alluded to there at the break was is the fact that we're bringing in all these we'll say non-national I've nothing against any of them now don't let me say that at the very beginning we're bringing them in and bringing in and, and we're housing and all that one of the things we want to take a, a very close look at is our tourism industry because like a shot there is no place now for anybody to stay yeah. I tried to stay in Dublin there one night about um, maybe two months ago and I tried I think just 14 different hotels I couldn't get a room at any kind any place and I looked at one hotel just now, naturally enough, I wasn't staying there, but I looked at it and it was uh, 919 euro. For one night? For one night in bed and breakfast. What? For one night. Now that, so this is the kind of madness that's happening. But in the meantime, we're, we're running out of hotel spaces, we're ruining our, industry, our tourism industry, the Ireland of the welcomes and all that. We're losing all that by over populating the hotel, the hotels. Yeah. Liam, can I ask you, what role does the UN play in this? Because they've been very silent on this the last few days. Practically none. Practically none. The, the UN was designed to basically... The UN was designed to lock up lock up countries that, in the hope that they wouldn't fight each other. But, I mean, when you have a situation where we've had it and we spoke about it for the last 12 months that Ireland couldn't take any uh, part in any peacekeeping thing that went on in Ukraine because Russia had a per, were, were a permanent member of the UN and they could veto it. You now have nobody can go into Gaza to create a peacekeeping operation in Gaza because the Americans won't won't vote for it. So it's a big talking shop. It really is. Uh, like Israel, I don't want to sound like I'm down Israel because I think Israel has the right to exist. I, I believe in a two-state solution. I think that's what has got to be the, the final solution. I hate to use that when I talk about Israel. That's got to be the, the, the end point for all. There's going to be a, a two-state solution. But, I mean, Israel have been breaking international law for decades. Not not today or yesterday or last week. They've been breaking it for decades. They've been ignoring every single edict from the UN and they can do it because they have the support of the Americans on the on the the. Permanent Security Council. So in that case, I don't see any real role for it whatsoever. It's an absolute talking shop. It makes us look like we're doing something. Now to go back, just just one thing Joe said, and even yourself said about the Irish Army coming out of the Golan Heights or coming out of Syria. I don't think the Irish Army would want to do that. Um, I have great faith in the Irish Army that the last thing they want to do is to run away when a fight starts. If you see what the Irish Army did in the in was it the Congo and Jadaville, like they're well able to look after themselves. Fair play to them. We have some of the best army people in the world. And we shouldn't run away when conflict starts because if you do, you're going to leave very vulnerable people. But we in are trouble. a neutral country. We are a neutral country. We're not fighting. Remember, we're a peacekeeping we're a, they're a peacekeeping force. They're not a fighting force. But you see what happened in Srebrenica in the Balkans and when the, the Dutch UN uh, lads came out, I mean, it allowed people to be 
basically massacred. Sab- slaughtered yeah. and massacred. So I think the Irish army are doing a fantastic job in the Lebanon and I think they would want to stay to themselves to continue that peacekeeping role that they have. But they need backup from the UN and they're not going to get backup from the UN unless the UN can sit down and say to the permanent members, the Russia, the China, the Americans, look, we can't pretend that we're doing something here when we're not doing something here and we're just letting it, letting it slide. But I don't have a huge faith in the UN, to be quite honest. Alison, can I raise with you Michael D's comments as well this week that got a lot of attention, uh, where he came out against Ursula von der Leyen's comments where she said Europe was behind Israel in this. A lot of people critical that Michael D Higgins, his role shouldn't allow him to speak out the way that he did. What do you make of that? Well, I think her role shouldn't. You know, she kind of shot from the hip there very early. Um, like... That shouldn't be the role of Europe, you know, to get in and support one. You know, that's only fueling the fire. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, there's issues on both sides. And really, I just, I have, what I have a huge issue with the aid that's not getting in. And yeah. I do think, I'm not Michael D. Higgins' biggest fan, but I do think he's looking for peace. And I think he's, you know, and credit where credit is due. And I think anybody should be entitled to speak up there because he, he you know, he didn't come with a vested interest from what I could see, you know, like, so definitely I think I would be more critical of her comments, Yeah, to be to be honest. Mm. Yeah. Liam, could I ask you then um, about the role of Joe Biden's comments as well? Because we, we spoke about this, about taking sides in this. He very clearly took a side when he said the other team yesterday. Yeah. Absolutely, he did, and I think even the language he used to, you know, it's our team against their yeah. team. Yeah, I mean, people are dying, people are being bombed, children are crying, they're losing their parents, and again, what people don't realise here is every time you you kill a father or a brother, you'll create another person who will want to carry this on, on in, into the future, and that's what it is. This is like a blood flu- a blood feud that's going on. Now, I hate to get biblical on this, but if anyone thinks of the story of David and Goliath, I mean, if they remember, Goliath was a Philistine. The Philistines of 3,000 years ago are the Palestines of today. This isn't going on for the last 48 years. Mm. This is going on for the last 3,000 years. And, I mean, the response to Hamas coming in and killing Israeli citizens, which was completely wrong, they should be absolutely uh, demonised for what they did. But to respond to that by dropping five or six, 10 or 15-storey apartment blocks... With white phosphorus. With white phosphorus. I mean, the people who lived in those apartment blocks maybe one person of all those blocks was a Hamas operative or a Hamas supporter but you now have an awful lot more people who have a problem with Israel who will carry this on into the future so there has to be peace there has to be talks I've said this before in every single conflict there's two outcomes you either annihilate or you negotiate so if we're going to annihilate it means we're going to absolutely wipe Gaza off the map and two million people in it which I don't think is going to happen or we're going to negotiate so either we sit down and say we can negotiate now or we can negotiate in a year's time when maybe another 10, 15,000 people are dead. Yeah. I think we should do it as fast as we can. Absolutely. Yeah, Joe, what do you... Th- but nobody seems to be talking about peace. But you see, that's what I... Like, uh, you know, if you listen to... Back just to what we're saying here, I suppose, you know, we're, the focus is on who said what and who said what and was it Joe said this or was it Michael D said that or Ursula von der Leyen said this or whatever. Like, the focus has gone away from the peace. The focus... Yeah. The, like, everyone needs to refocus and say, hold on a while. There's there's massacres going on here. You can call them whatever you like, but they're massacres at the end of the day. And if you look at these and people say, hold on, get a grip here. We need to sort out this. And that is why I think we should have a... You know, we call it this peacekeeping 
peacekeeping, you know, to go back, we should do a peacekeeping synod that you get a group of people together that can sit down and say, hold on, sit down and start negotiating some kind of way till you get at least a ceasefire and then see can you get some kind of a truce and then see can you work away to see can you start it. Because as Liam has already said, it, that's what will be the end game. Yeah. Let it be now or this time 10 years. But by time, but if it happens in ten years' time, there'll be millions killed in the meantime, which is it, it's desperate what's going on. But the focus should be on sitting down around the table and getting people talking. That's what the forces should be on. The focus yeah, should be on. It's whether the likelihood of that happening is is oh, another case. Well, it's too early to happen yet, you see, because yeah. people aren't people haven't got their own in games yet to sit down to happen this. They want more to happen first before they can come to that stage. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll finish that topic before we go to the break with a text from John and Nina. He said, "War doesn't determine who's right; it determines." who's left. We're back after this. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Welcome back to Tip Today and our Friday panel topic. The next one is the no phone policy at Tommy Tiernan's US gig. So fans of Tommy Tiernan at his upcoming live shows have been warned they'll be kicked out if they use their phones or even smartwatches during his performance. He's currently on a tour of the US and there are strict guidelines in place there with organisers announcing that gigs are a phone-free experience. They're using these yonder bags. They're called their pouches for audience members to seal their phone in and it will lock out any um, coverage that the phone can get so essentially rendering it useless but anyone who is found to be using a device during the gig will be immediately escorted out of the property is it first of all panel a sad indictment of how addicted we are to our phones Alison I'll start with you I think it is I think it's a great idea say to um, what what Tommy Tiernan is doing because we're slaves to our phones Yeah, you know like we really are and like there's benefits to them but by God do they really control us and especially the younger generation, like they, it's like a third arm. Yeah. And if they, if, if, a, if a screen breaks or something, it is like World War Three to them. They just don't know how to, it has to be fixed straight away. Um, and I think we're forgetting about actually interaction and, you know, because of it. We're being ju- in the moment. Completely. And yeah. also... I'd say there's huge loneliness because of it because people are looking at screens and going oh look at the great life he has or she has where so much of it is a facade mm. um, I think the the more you can step away from your phone there's such a hindrance to be honest um, the better yeah mm. and a lot of people I think going to gigs they probably don't enjoy the gigs because they're so busy recording them I never saw the and point and they'll never that. watch them again never because the like, sound is awful I don't even take a photograph of you know a lovely monument or whatever if I go there anymore I'm like I'll find a better one on the internet if I want to see it because you're not experiencing it you're not experiencing and, and you're not enjoying say being with the people that you went there with either because you're too busy you know, recording it for no reason at all, really. Yeah. Liam, have you ever been at a gig that was ruined by phones or anything for you? I was, yeah. I'm I'm, I'm a big ABBA fan. Oh, good man. Yeah, a big ABBA fan. I was at ABBA, ABBA Voyage in London a couple of months ago and they warn people going in long and about 10 times before the show starts that mobile phones are banned at the gig. Please do not use it. And the reason, because it is a spectacular show and they want to keep the the spectacularness, if that's the word, for the next people that come in. So they don't want clips all over the internet. Fair enough. And by the start of the second song, two people in front of us had phones out, up in the air, filming it. And like... People, I was annoyed because they were up. They were in my way. I was looking around the phone. I was they were trying standing to, doing it because we, we were on the we were standing on the okay. floor. Yeah, so I was like looking around at them. And about five minutes later, in fairness, someone from security came over. They gave them a warning. 
they kind of got a bit ticked about being told by the warning, but then two minutes later they were ejected from the event. Um, so I've done what Alison has done, and if people listen to me, I'm on my phone a lot. I used to take a lot of videos at gigs, and then I realised I never look at the videos yeah. again. You don't need them. It's a waste of time. As you said, the sound is terrible. The lighting is terrible. We're not professional videographers we're going to get an absolute crap one you can look at the, 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 the you can look at the the performers themselves put a lot a lot of their own um fully professional gigs online you can watch it there and it's yeah. much better and you can say yeah i was at that gig you don't need it on your phone all the time um fair play to tommy now in his particular in his particular line it's you you need to do it as well because if you're a stand-up comedian you've got and you're on tour and I'm not going to see Tommy for four months when he comes to Clonmel mm. I don't want to hear the jokes I don't want to hear the punchlines mm. I don't want to know the show before he comes here like I know if I I know if I watch Elton John I'm going to hear the same four or five songs I'm not really bothered about that but definitely for his geek but I don't think anybody needs to bring a mobile phone to a geek anymore Yeah you're, Joe what, you're, you're a different generation maybe to the rest of us you probably Apart don't understand <laughs> Sorry would you please explain <laughs> ABBA ABBA are a four piece band <laughs> no longer. I'm only joking. I'm only joking. You know that. No, I, I, I just wonder. I just, I just wonder. Is I just wonder. Um, when I when we got it, like you know, yesterday the topics. I was looking at this. I was saying, is there an aspect of litigation in this? Like, you know what I mean? Does he have a cut of somebody else that he doesn't want to record? Oh, or is there? Yeah. I mean, I just wonder where the thought process came into his head for. And bear in mind what the two, you know, what Alison and Liam have said. The two <laughs> youngsters. The two youngsters. The three youngsters have said here. I just, you know, you wonder what's it all about. But I would agree, you know, I think if you're inside doing something like that on a mobile phone, like, you know, you're not enjoying the event, you're not enjoying anything at all, you know. Like, um, I don't think I don't think any of those things should be recorded. I think it's a good idea not to do it. But if you look at the... I'm looking at maybe so the entertainer and the content of his stand-up and his language and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Is there an element of, I don't want any of this, you know, in case he cuts the socks off somebody else or, you know, you'd wonder, yeah. you know, I just wonder, is that a bit... Yeah. 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 So I'd say maybe he's kind of, you know, covering ass here a little bit by doing it that way. I'm only just thinking. Would you be way. stuck to your phone now a lot? No, no, not a thing really? like that. No, What's no, that no, like? No. Oh, it's just grand. Like, I, you have the phone for whatever you have it for. Like, but if I was going to a match or something like that or a gig or something like that, I wouldn't be recording any of it anyway. Yeah. I'd be concentrating on what was happening there. You you know, know. What I find I'm always doing is just patting my coat pocket to make sure it's there. I don't know why. But why are we so addicted to them? Well, I think it's always wallet, keys, phone. You know, yeah. like, say, you have, make sure you have three of those before you leave the house. I suppose it's... We've become so used to being contactable at any hour of the day and I think that's a problem with society with so much anxiety out there and mental health issues because we are literally clung to the phone yeah and we have information now at a moment's notice you know before you had to look at an encyclopedia to answer something or you to go through your own head because you knew the answer it was just buried yeah. deep whereas now it's I'll google that or oh, the file effects what happened to the yeah. file effects yeah but I think I think as well as you look at like your own your own business if you look at journalism like you know you know you remember like not so many years ago you know here in Tipperary you know there were so many thousand copies of the National sold every week or so the Tipperary Star sold mm. every week now look you know, you go into a shop now and there's three or four because why? You have the news like 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 tis now, you know, coming up to twelve o'clock. So what happened at eleven is old news now, Absolutely, like you know, that's yeah. the way and that's the pace of life. And that is, you know, you can get everything you want, you can get results of let it be soccer, hurl of football, any sport right across, you can get the whole lot. Look at debts, you know, you can get yeah. everything. So there's pluses and there's minuses. And as well as that, as Alison has said, you know, you come dependent. We come very used to them. 
Yeah. You know, there's, there's, there's an awful lot of people in my generation who would have gone to a place like Fela and Torres and stuff. Oh, yeah. But quite happy that we didn't have phones. Absolutely. We did an awful lot of stuff that we're delighted was weren't recorded. <laughs> and we can have the we can have the rose-tinted memories of those times without anyone pulling something and going, nah, that's yeah. not the way you were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, you asked a second why we so addicted to our phones. They're like cocaine. Um, you get a quick hit you know if you want to see something funny you take out your phone you can watch a funny clip if you want news you take out your phone you get news there's so much it can be it, it gives you straight away and that's why and that's literally how addictive personalities work mm. you get what you want if you want sports if you want news if you want music if you want comedy whatever you can have it right there it's in your pocket so Maybe, that's is it a healthy addiction though I mean you know no. it's, it's the lesser uh, of a few evils no and I, I certainly if my other half is listed in she's probably screaming <laughs> at the radio now because I do use the phone way too much it's not healthy when you look at the end of the week uh, and it gives you you were on oh, yeah, your phone for six hours and 35 minutes last week and you start thinking to yourself uh, oh my god what I could have done for six hours I don't know how we're going to cut it down because nowadays children at two and three years of age have phones in their hands yeah. they simply have and as much as we can, we know they shouldn't have we know we have initiatives in primary schools to take the phones off kids and in secondary schools to take the phones off kids but we're not doing it yeah. you know it's just but there's also people. I would say like there's pluses to as well you know, when you work for yourself, and I know if you're on with this, and you'd be saying, do you hear him saying about you using the phone? The truth of the matter, like, you can get all your emails on phone. You can do, you know, you can be sitting there, you can be answering a call. It might be only just, yes, thanks very much, you know, Liam, or whatever the story is. You can do all this, like, so there's a massive amount of pluses, you know, that you, that you didn't have before, that you can do all these things. But I think, though, the constant, the constant use of it, you know, what would, you know, when you, it's, it's, strange, amazing, sad when you go in, like we'll say into a restaurant or into a coffee shop, you know, and you see a couple coming in the two of them sit down, you know, not a bother and the minute their backsides are on the seat phone out mm. Alison, would you, you like know, to see other performers like Tommy Tiernan bringing in this rule of no phones? I wouldn't have any problem with it whatsoever. Okay, so it doesn't bother you either way? Well, I think it would be a good thing like I don't go to a lot of gigs or anything like that so it doesn't really apply to me as such but I do think it's frustrating, like what Liam was saying earlier at ABBA. Like, that is frustrating and probably a clip that they might never watch again. And it was good that they were rejected because, you know, like there's rules there for reasons as well. And I, I heard about the ABBA thing before too and it's such a spectacular performance. I can understand, you don't want to ruin it for because no, nothing's don't. a surprise anymore. Yeah. Like, you know, even right down to having a baby, most people find out the sex of it before it's born. You know, like... It's lovely to have surprises because they're what's rare is wonderful, and you know, like let, you know, things are there to enjoy. We pay for our downtime. We pay good money to enjoy events like that. That we shouldn't know what's going to happen before we go in there. Yeah, you absolutely. could live stream the birth. Oh, oh man! Wow, there's a business idea. <laughs> Off you go now. With, with with sound effects. Oh God! And there we leave it for today. <laughs> on that, that's it for today and indeed for this week. Yeah. Thanks for joining us all of this week, and thanks to him on the phones. Fran is back with you on Monday from nine. Stephen up next with the time tunnel. Oh, and then taking you through the afternoon. Until then, have a great weekend. Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie.